the title of the message today is the word of the kingdom the word of righteousness the word of the kingdom the word of righteousness so remember last time we studied that thing where, where the word of the lord came to hezekiah saying that in your lifetime there won't be judgment it's going to be judgment going to come in the life of your children correct and hezekiah's response to that was hey that's a good word and we are like why does he say that that's a good word it's going to happen in the life of his children right it was a good word because hezekiah knew two things number one judgment is happening see once you don't know that you are being you once you know that you are under judgment but you don't know whether you, when the punishment is going to happen you cannot live with that at least he knows that judgment is happening correct judgment is happening but it is not happening in his life so he is like comfortable there is justice judgment is happening it will happen one day so he's he thinks that's a good report and we know that god never rebuked that attitude of hezekiah because one of his seed that is jesus in his lineage was going to bear the judgment of hezekiah isn't that so beautiful so he called that is righteousness righteousness is not you doing right things righteousness is another has done the right thing that is the righteousness of the kingdom right see that is totally different than what human philosophy is talk human philosophy talks about godliness righteousness as what your works but the gospel righteousness and you'll be surprised how many churches don't know, don't know that you know how many churches preach the righteousness of man because that is a natural tendency to preach the righteousness of man correct all philosophies of systems everything is about preaching the righteousness of man so when you see the word righteousness so repeat after me righteousness, righteousness. repeat again righteousness. righteousness always remember it is god's righteousness say god's righteousness, god's righteousness. and then say his righteousness. his righteousness interesting how many of you have read the verse seek ye first the kingdom of god and hold it how many of you have read the heard the verse seek ye first the kingdom of god and Whose righteousness? Jesus. Correct. For how long have you ever read, heard that verse, but without never focusing on the word "his" in that part? We have grown up listening to that word, saying that seek ye first God's kingdom and and righteousness that God expects from you. Then all things will be well with you. How many of you have heard that? Or if you have not heard that, how many of you believe that? that if you seek god's kingdom when you speak seek the righteousness of god and we also read it correctly we read it as righteousness of god so when you read the righteousness of god what are you thinking what are you thinking when you saying the righteousness of god we are thinking god has given us 10 commandments and all the laws to live by we need to live by that and then we will become righteous correct wrong see the gospel of jesus christ the gospel righteousness in the kingdom is not your righteousness see it is his righteousness his righteousness is not achieved by following him see it's it's amazing how that truth is a mystery that mystery that the jews stumbled upon Israel stumbles upon this 
rock. Now, how, how many of you have read the words, Behold, I put a rock, a stone of stumbling in Zion, and they will stumble over it, right? What is the rock? And we say that that is Christ Jesus. But if you look at Romans chapter 10 and 11, Paul talks about that rock of stumbling as being uh, Israel's desire to attain righteousness by works. He calls that a stumbling block. You got that thing? While Christ is not the stumbling block, Christ is something that they, you can live on. But their efforts to become like Christ, like the Messiah, or like God, in their works, he calls that a stumbling block. Say stumbling block. Stumbling block. It's a stumbling block. Okay, now let's, let's, go, let's go to this. And I'm, I'm going to establish some good foundation, so I want you to read it yourself. Okay, now, I'll tell you how critical this business of righteousness is. Out of righteousness flows all your prosperity, all your health, all your victory here on earth. All. Everything. The word of righteousness is the, the word that falls on all kinds of ground. But if you don't understand this word, you will not bear fruit. Now, the, why this word came about? I mean, this, this has been brewing in my heart for quite some time. And, you know, we've been talking about righteousness for a long time. Lately, I've been asking God, Lord, I know that I am in you. Right? Right? I cannot do anything about that right now. But even if I don't want to be in you, I cannot do anything. Because who put me in you? God the Father. Because Jesus' own words that, of all that you have given me, I have lost none. Nobody can take me out of my, out of, no one can take you out of my hands. My Father who has given you to me is greater than all. That means there is nobody stronger than the Father in heaven who can take you out of Jesus Christ. So, settle. Are done settled with the fact that you are in Christ Jesus? Do you have any doubts about the fact that you are in Christ Jesus? Do you go in and out of fellowship with Jesus? You like to believe that, but there is no scriptural foundation for you going in and out of Christ Jesus. Do you know that there is no scriptural foundation for going in and out of Jesus? I mean, though, though you must have heard that preach for so much time. But you know, there is no scriptural foundation for once a believer is in Christ Jesus, for a believer to go out of Christ Jesus. Do you know that? I mean, is that a, 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 some level of comfort to you that you can never go out of fellowship with Jesus? There's no verse where you can go out of fellowship. He said, come, by accepting Jesus, once you make that decision, you come into fellowship with Jesus because what? You become one just as the Father and Jesus are one. That is the powerful test. I mean, Jesus talks some heavyweight truths in John chapter 17. He says, Father, they are in me and I in them, just as I am in you and you in me. That they may be one, just as you and me are one. Wow, he's talking. So unity, he doesn't talk about agreement. The unity as defined by Jesus in the Bible is not about seeing eye to eye. That's how we learn, right? All Christians should agree on the same thing because we are one. No. Jesus defines unity as being one in each other. So you are one in Jesus. Jesus is in you. Therefore, you and Jesus are one. Not my words. Jesus' words. 
So you are already in him. So the, my question is, Lord, I am already in you. Okay, now let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So, so we're going to get into some meat, okay? Are you, are you okay to get into some meat? Okay, let's go into some meat because I want you to understand we talk about, you know, being fruitful. We study a lot. How do we become fruitful? You know? So let's go to John chapter 15. So, I mean, there's so much material, but I'll just go as the Spirit is led, cover certain key points that I think should be relevant, and let's, maybe we'll cover it in another session, some of the more stuff. Okay, let's read John chapter 15 very closely. Hold on, I mean, I want you to understand that chapter very clearly, because that's the chapter that talks about being fruitful, right? Okay, let's go to very close, slowly. John chapter 15, everybody got John chapter 15? Okay, let's go verse by verse very slowly. I am the true vine. So first he defines Jesus is the only true vine. And my father is the wine dresser. Okay, the father is the one who puts stuff in, takes stuff out. Okay, what does the wine dresser do? He takes branches in, takes branches out. Correct? Okay, so the, it's very clear. So you being in the wine is whose uh, who's achievement? Huh? The wine dressers. So you have nothing to glory in. He is the wine. The father is the wine dresser. So all, so I accepted Jesus and I jumped into the wine. No. <laughs> you got it? So the father put you in the wine. Got it? So father is the wine dresser. So there is no scope to glory in this passage. Got it? See how much there is no, no reason to glory. Right? You are in him. The father has put you in the wine. Why wine? Because there is no central branch to a wine. No, did you notice? There is... If you look at a very well-grown wine, you wouldn't know which is the main branch. Everything, it's like a big wine. It's a hedge. I mean, there is nothing like a central branch. Because that's how we are in the body of Jesus Christ. We constitute his body. And we are part of that. Amen? Okay. Let's not, this is very important. This is very important. If you get this doctrine right, it will clear up a lot of bad theology in your life. Bad theology produces bad judgment in your life. Bad judgment brings condemnation. Condemnation kills. You go to heaven, but you die. You go dying. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, do you want to enjoy life on earth or not? Did he come to give you life and life more abundantly? Or did he come to give you life only in the hereafter? Does, he, does, does the Father's goodwill that you have life here? Right? So how do we get life? This is a secret. Okay? Okay. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. So now this, this, set, this brings to a big, very interesting picture that there are branches in this wine that do not bear fruit. Yes or no? So are these branches in Jesus or in, outside of Jesus? In Jesus. So these branches being in Jesus have the potential to not bear fruit. Yes or no? Yes. Wow. Clarifies a lot of things for me. Why are some believers don't have fruit? While some believers do bear much fruit. Amen. Is that your only... That, that is my question. My question is, Lord, I am in you. I cannot do anything about it. Even if I want to get out of you, I cannot. But how do I bear much fruit? Right? First of all, please define me what much fruit is, Jesus. So he defined that also in this passage. But more than that is, 
So that's the only difference. So my getting into Christ was done when I accepted him as my savior. When I believed in this name Jesus. When I believed that God has a son. His name is Jesus. And he will do my hard work for me. What I couldn't do, he did it for me and I believe it. The moment you did that, the wine dresser put you in the wine. Done? Now, you can decide to not bear fruit. But you really can't do out of any decision. But you, there are some people who, who do not bear fruit in the wine. So, my question is, are these branches going to be destroyed? Now, now listen to this. Now, you get that theology? Okay. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does it say? He takes away. Now look at the word take. Does everybody have a number next to it? Yeah. What is the... Uh, uh, huh? Somebody says omit. What is the other word? In the margin, on the word take away. Lift up. See, the, it's translated incorrectly. The word there is eros. Ero means arrow. Ero means... Air. That means lift up. Correct? So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does the father do? He lifts it up. That means you don't bear fruit because you are on the ground looking down. That we know that. I think uh, we had studied that in one of the messages where wine, the only branches in the wine that does not bear fruit are wine that crawls on the ground. Correct? Which are looking at the dust. That means the dust the, the dust is always a picture of Satan's kingdom and his ways, his methods. So you're looking on the ground, but you are of the wine, but you're still hugging the dust. So what does the wine dresser do? He lifts it up. Say lifts up. Lifts Never up. takes it out. He doesn't take you out because he cannot take you out. You're done, man. You're done. <laughs> you cannot become a non-believer. You can only be a non-believer believer, but you cannot be a non-believer, non-believer. <laughs> that, that decision has been done once for all. Now you are part of the wine. But you will. he lifts you up. What does he do by lifting you up? He lifts you up to look at whom? To look at the sun. Because that is the way you bear fruit. Amen? So what does he do? He, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, take, he lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he Prunes. You know the word prune is wrong there. The word prune is the same word in the Greek that in verse 3 is the word clean. Say clean. Okay. So read let's word clean. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Right? You are already clean. So the same word clean is the same word prune. The translator used the word prune because for him He's thinking natural. That if a, a, a typically the, in a wine, when you bear fruit, the way they do is they clean it with water. And the wine produces more fruit. So the way you clean, and the, look at the context is very clear. You are already clean. Because he's still talking about cleanliness in the previous words. He said you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Right? So what cleans you to bear much fruit is... The word of God in your life. Okay, keep reading. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the wine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So that is done. You cannot bear fruit unless you are in Christ Jesus. Done? 
Without me, you can do nothing. Next. If anyone does not abide in me. Now he's talking about unbelievers. If anyone does not abide in me, what happens? It is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather it and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. So what happens if you are not in Christ Jesus? You are going to be burnt. Amen? And if you abide in me and my... Again, there is emphasis on words. If my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So how do you bear much fruit? By God's word, Jesus' word residing in, in us. Because you residing in Jesus is already done. The only variable in fruitfulness is what? How much of God's word now resides in us? Do you agree with this? Do you agree that your, the amount of words that reside in you determines how much fruit you will bear in your life? Agreed? Because how do you bear fruit? By being clean. How are you cleaned? By you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Got it? So cleanliness is related in the gospel to always water. Water is always related to word. So Jesus always used to clean. Look, for example, why did Jesus not on the night of the Passover, night of his betrayal, why did he not clean everybody from the top of his top of the head? Because they were already clean. But why did he clean their legs only? Because they are they are dirty in their walk in this world, but they are not unclean by their spirit. So while you are in this world, you are hugging the dirt. So when you are in the world, you have to be constantly cleaned by the word of Jesus. Make sense? But you don't have to be born again, born again. Make sense? You don't have to run to every altar call. How many of you all want to recommit your life to life? There is no, there is no recommitment in the Bible. You know, there is no concept of recommitment in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why do people want to ask people to recommit their life? That is a false gospel, isn't it? Because that is saying that I wa- you are not in Christ. The way you get people to repentance, repentance, change your mind is, tell them that you are clean in Christ Jesus and clean them constantly. Clean their feet constantly. And that's how they become clean and they become fruitful. A lot of people, you call them to, you know, recommit their life is basically to get a bigger response. You know, many times. They call first for that, nobody shows up, then let's want to recommit their life. You know, then let more people come up. You know, it's like a safety wall for the speaker. We don't need the safety wall for the speaker, right? Let's just clean the believer's feet. Just just tell them that they are already clean. Jesus immediately, when he said, he who bears fruit, my father cleans. He immediately said, you are already clean. As if to tell them what? Don't judge yourself that you are not clean. See how quick the fa- Jesus is to affirm the spotlessness, the blamelessness and the righteousness of a believer. Do you understand the power of righteousness? What word keeps you clean? If this word is the only variable in my Christian walk which will make me fruitful. Right? I'm already in Christ Jesus. I don't have anything to do with it now. Correct? I cannot become more in Christ Jesus. You know? <laughs> like, Lord, put me more in you. Closer, Lord. Nearer, Lord, to thee. Ah, 
cannot go nearer to him. That was in the old covenant. You had to go draw nearer to him. How near can you be? You are in him. He is in you. You are the temple of God. You are the temple. You are the most holy place. The Lord of the whole universe lives in you. I mean, man, they could not even go into the most holy place once a year. And they would have a chain next to the guy. In case he falls dead, they drag the guy out. Here is the most holy place, most holy God living in you. You better believe that you are completely clean for the most holy one to live in you. Do you believe that? If you don't believe, I don't care, but he believes that you are clean. He doesn't, he's not like constantly checking around. Any dirt, any dirt, 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 dirt. You know, it's interesting, you know, the other day once I was reading this passage in Revelation chapter, you know, the throne room, right? Uh, the door opens up in heaven. This is a picture of rapture. The moment rapture happens, by the way, the moment rapture happens, where are you going to be found? You're going to be found in the throne room and you'll be seated on the throne. Very clear. There are a lot of verses in the Bible reflecting that. The rapture happens, you will be, you'll see yourself immediately seated on a throne at the Father's right hand. That's how the rapture is. Okay, that's what happens in Revelation. And John immediately sees, he's raptured up, he sees this throne and he sees 24 elders sitting. Immediately. Look at the picture. Rapture, elders, picture of the church, sitting. Right? Clothed with crowns on their head. Same picture. We talked about seated, clothed and crowned. Remember one message about the demonic man? How when he found Jesus, he was seated, clothed and in his right man. Same picture of Revelation. Church is always seated, clothed and with the... With the right mind means with the mind of righteousness. What mind? The mind that does not condemn you. The mind that is confident about who they are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Say righteousness. 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 So, so what does he see? He sees God's throne. And around the throne, he sees 24, uh, 24 elders, correct? And then he sees four living creatures. And these living creatures have full of eyes. Where? All around and inside, the Bible says. Did you read that? They had eyes all around and inside. Let me tell you this. If you have one camera in your house, which is live constantly, right? you have a lot of the security cameras. Many times I will avoid that room if I have to. <laughs> if you don't forget. Right? <laughs> right? Can you imagine a million cameras? Not just outside, inside. <laughs> Means what? Unless you are so confident about your righteousness, you cannot be sitting there. Before living creatures that have eyes all around, not only outside, but inside, you cannot be sitting unless you are confident about your righteousness. Because what are the living creatures saying morning and night? Holy, holy, holy. They are not going to say holy, holy, holy when there is unholy 24 creatures sitting in the front. Do you see that? We always focus on the fact that the living creatures are talking about because they are looking towards the gospel is very clear. The eyes are not just looking towards the center. The eyes are behind, eyes are inside, eyes are all over. So when they are looking at the 24 elders, they are saying what? Holy, holy, holy. Do you get this picture? You don't sit and confident 
unless you are know who you are in Christ Jesus before the throne of God. Because the living creatures are looking at you and telling, George, holy, holy, holy. And you're like, he doesn't know what's inside me. <laughs> but therefore the Holy Spirit is so clear. It says, eyes inside. Why should there be eyes inside? Because he knows what is inside of a man. Is that powerful? Your righteousness is not just external. Your righteousness is intrinsic. This is a new creation. Not possible to be made by man. It's impossible. Okay, so look at this. If you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask. Now, there, now you always have the question, how, does, how do I get what I, my, my prayer request answered? If, if you abide in me, done. Hold it. There's a qualification there, right? What is the qualification? If my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Isn't it? So what is fruit bearing according to Jesus' definition? What is fruit bearing according to the definition of Jesus Christ? Huh? No, no, no. Hold it. Look at this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So he defines some fundamental doctrines in, in the church. Number one of being fruitfulness. What is being fruitfulness? Number two, what does it mean to be a disciple? Right? In that one verse, doesn't he not define that? So you will be my disciple? Right? Number one, number two, number one, he says, by this you will be fruitful. And number three, he says, by this my father is glorified. So he says, so all this, so he defines fruit as how? Yes! You will ask what you desire and shall be done for you. He says that is fruitfulness. So he says, how do you know a Christian is fruitful? Put this standard. When this Christian asks things, whatever they desire, are they getting it? You say, but he'll ask any crazy stuff. That is interesting. You don't ask crazy stuff and his words abide in you. Now what word is this? What word is this? The word that makes you clean. Hold on. Yes. It's a word of righteousness. I'll tell you why it is. We're going to go through this. You need to know. Because if, if you can understand this, it will tell you how to become fruitful. Amen? If you know how to become fruitful, the Bible says you are truly my disciples then. Because whatever Jesus asked on the earth, did he get it? What made multitudes follow Jesus? Because whatever he asked. In fact, in fact, remember Mary and Martha outside Lazarus' tomb. What was they saying to Jesus? They, they had no clue that a dead man can come to life. But they knew one thing. What was it? Whatever you ask. No, no. Look at what he said. We, whatever you ask, we know the Father will do it. Because they, they were confident in this. They knew something about Jesus. Like, man, whatever he asks, he gets it from the Father. 
In fact, they were so amazed by that, they came to Jesus one day and said, Teacher, teach us how to pray. Because they thought the secret is in the, in the mantra. Right? If I can only get the right words, I can get all my answers done by the Father. Right? But he says, no. If my words abide in you, what word is this? What word is this? Say the word of righteousness. If you can understand this word of righteousness, this is the Pastor Stephen is going to talk about the good seed. And I hope he, the revelation comes to him. And people pray, you know, that hits all the leaders. Everybody knows this. This is a word of righteousness because it's a hidden mystery. It's known. It's not obvious. It's, that's why it's called the mystery of godliness. If godliness is evident, that's all about your actions. Why is it a mystery? Even the Muslims believe Go, how to become godly. Hindus know how to become godly. The atheists know how to become godly. They know seven steps. The Satanists know how to become godly because they all have steps to do. But why is it called a mystery? Because it's not about you. It's about somebody else who did something for you. Therefore, it's a mystery. Got it? So if you have that word in your life, so you get this section, if you, if, if you abide in me, say, Amen. But if my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Now then, now the only question remaining is, what word is this that Lord that you want me to be? Is it the law of the Moses? What word is this? Because if it was the law of Moses, Paul should have been very fruitful before he met Jesus. Amen? But he said, all this I consider rubbish. Because he didn't find any value in it. So there is a word. And what is the word? And God calls that word the truth. Okay. This is very interesting. Okay. Now then he clarifies that word. As if to answer that question. Let's read verse 9. As my father loved you, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Means what? Means saying, this is the word. You are completely righteous in me. Remember, I always love you. When you feel that I don't love you, remind yourself that I love you. That means remember that you are righteous and continue to be loved by my father. That's what is abide in my love. That means not in abide in your love for him. Abide in whose love for you? His love for you. That means you constantly have to remind you yourself that you are righteous and God the father loves me. Say father loves me. Loves me. Okay, if you keep my commandment, you will abide in whose law? My law. Just as I've kept my father's law, commandment, and abide in his law. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another again as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that than to lay down my, one's life for the friends. So he's qualifying them, and Jesus makes an reason to lay down his life. Because at this point of time, they were not his brother. He had not died. He, Jesus is now our brother, but that time he was only a friend. Right? Because he had not died. What is the qualification to be a uh, brother? You should have the same father. Correct? At that point of time, the disciples and Jesus did not have the same father. Right? Because they were not born again. Right? When they're born again, 
they have the same father. They are born of God. They are born again. They have born of God. So they become our brother. But a friend can lay down his life for a friend. And that was an avenue by which Jesus took that. He said, I am, they are my friends. And I am going to lay down my life for them. Isn't that so beautiful? By qualifying them as a friend, he made it possible for him to legally lay down his life for them. Isn't that beautiful? He declared everybody as friends. You are my friends and therefore I will lay down my life for you. You are my friends if you do, what do I command you? No longer I call you my servants for you don't. Then he, because Jews, Israel was always a servant. He qualifies them and puts them up as a friend. Who was else a friend of God? Abraham. Because even at that time, Jesus had not died. Right? So the best, the closest relationship that Abraham could get with the father was what? As a friend. But he looked forward to the day when he will be a son. He will be a son. And we live in the day when we are not friends of God, but we are sons of God. So I am a friend of God? No. No. No, right? Because we are not a friend of God. See, friend was a way for God to bless him legally. See, God is very judicial. He cannot do he cannot do anything out of turn. He won't do anything contrary to the law. He, nobody, they didn't, he, he didn't have a legal standing with a guy. But he can be a friend. And a friend can lay down his life. And guess what? I'm going to lay down my life. But once the life is laid down, now you are born again of the father. Now you are no longer a friend. You are what? Now, did Paul ever talk about you being a friend of God? No. He talks about your sons of God. See, because son is more. Hey, my friend will sleep in my house one day, two day. Third day, he starts getting signs, right? <laughs> Not a son. We have to change the song. We are a son of God. We are a son of God. Hey, but hey, yeah. we understand the spirit. We understand the spirit. Okay, we understand <laughs> Yeah, if you start looking at doctrinally, we will start criti- being critical. Our job is not to be critical. Our job is to be built up, right? Let's get built up. Let's clean. Let's clean each other, right? Let's clean each other. Not by telling the whole, your head is unclean. You know, commit your life again. No, you're already clean. I just have to wash your feet. And what, what are we doing today evening? We are washing your feet. Okay, telling you that you're clean. And why? Because it's very important that you're fruitful. How are we fruitful? Whatever I ask, I receive. By this, my father is glorified. Aha. So, in this fruitfulness is completely linked to father's glory. If you did something and you got fruitful, who gets the glory? If you did something and you get blessed, who gets the glory? You do. So, there is something about this fruitfulness that is not dependent on you. It's dependent on the father. So what is it? He said, look to the father. Look at his righteousness. See? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not your righteousness. So if it is your righteousness, you would my, by this, you would have been glorified that you bear much fruit because we saw your righteousness and your righteousness is 85%. Good, good, good. You're getting there. No, that's not what he says. His righteousness. Look at his righteousness. See, so repeat after me. The word of righteousness. righteousness. If you can understand this word of righteousness and hold on to it, 
you will bear much fruit. Are you ready? Okay. Now, now this is my point. Keep, keep reading this. Okay. Let's go to... And by the way, read verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. That means your fruit will remain. That means you will not... You will not, you will not stop being fruitful. My desire is that you will continue to be fruitful. The only way you can continue to be fruitful is that you continue to be cleansed by the word. The word that continues to tell you that you are clean. Right? And continue to look at me and my righteousness, not at your righteousness. So say, look away. Say, look away. From yourself. Look away from yourself. Look away from yourself to Jesus. To his righteousness. That's why I said, he who does not bear fruit in, my, in me, he lifts up. To look at him. Amen? You get that? You get that righteousness is not your righteousness. Righteousness is his righteousness. Okay. Now, I want you to now go to this passage. And there's so much stuff, but obviously we cannot cover all. But let, let's go to... Uh, let's go to... The, the source of the seed passage. Very, very powerful. Because Jesus said, if you don't understand this passage, you cannot understand everything. The mysteries of the gospel. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Okay. about the source was the so, uh, the main parable source was the so, so word right right we know the source was the seed parable do you know it it the how it prefaced into the parable you need to know the context why did jesus bring up this parable number one he did the, this parable after he was rejected by the jews that's why he started speaking in parables he never really wanted to speak in parables but when they rejected it he had to speak in parables because he can only give it to the ones who, who need it. Because if he doesn't give it to the one who does not want it, it makes God a liar. And we've talked about it before. Let me ask you something. If I tell, if I as God bring a cup of coffee to Suja, and Suja does not drink coffee, what does it tell about me? Huh? You don't know Suja. Right? Okay. Now, if I bring a cup of coffee as God to Suja, Suja likes coffee, but Suja does not want to drink the coffee. What does it say about me? As God. You're right. Huh? You, you're right. You did the right thing. No, no, no. no. This is, we are not talking about right or wrong. I'm saying I am bringing a cup of coffee to Suja as God. And Suja likes coffee, but she does not want my coffee. Mm -hmm. What does it say about me? So you, what would you, what would you ask God? No, no, what, no. What, what my question to God would be: Did you not know that she does not? She is not going to drink your coffee. That means it makes you not God. Got it? 
Don't you know that he is, she's going to reject it? Right? So, so Jesus had to give the gospel, but the people are rejecting it. But he doesn't want to be presumptuous that they're going to receive it. The only method to ca- cause God not to lose his justness and his virtue and his... I don't know what to say, but that he had to couch it in a parable. So the ones who received could receive. So the ones who didn't want to receive, he was not being presumptuous that they would want to receive it. Got it? So this parable was a very unique system that caused God's character to be undefiled in his generosity. Do you see how powerful the concept of a parable is? Like for the ones who receive, they can say, you know what God, I loved it, I wanted it and you are kind enough to give it to me. For the ones who did not want to receive it, they can say, we don't understand it at all. Got it? Both met. But but God, God is just because he gave that option to them also. Without being, saying, hey, I did not want it, but you never gave it to me. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen, like, <laughs> you've seen, like, uh, you know, older parents and all that. I was seeing whether you'll give it to me. I don't eat it, but I wanted to see whether you give it to me. You're still at fault. Whether you give it, it's fault. If you don't give it, it's fault. You know what I'm saying? Older people, you know. <laughs> Young people, not at all. <laughs> I'm seeing whether he's going to ask me to sit down. But I cannot sit because I have joint pain. But I, is he asking me or not? But if he asks you, he said, can't you, don't you know that I have leg pain? Are <laughs> See, so, so that applies even to God. Don't you know that I don't care for your gospel? You know, I was like, <laughs> so the parable fits it perfectly. It's a perfect system. You don't want to receive it? Cool. You want to receive it? Cool. But don't blame me because I did not tell you the parable. Correct? See how interesting the virtue, the will, the wisdom of God is pacified. He is generous, but he has to deal with rebellious people, but without affecting his generosity. That's a tough thing. You you think of ways, how do you be generous to a guy who doesn't want to be want to receive it? So parable is very interesting. It's a concept of that. So you understand that? You understand? Oh, good, good. I hope you understand that. So parable is a very interesting way. Very interesting way for you to receive. Okay, look at this. Therefore here, now look at how he says. The whole concept of the parable of the sower is centered around one thing. What is that one thing? The word. The word. word. Do you agree that? Right? Who produces the fruit? The word. You will say the soil produces the fruit. No. Suppose the, word, the seed is not there. You have very good ground. Does it produce fruit? No. What should happen for fruit to grow? The word. The seed has to fall. Has to. So because the, the, the fruit is where? In the soil or in the seed? In the seed. Say in the seed. So it's very important to know this, this word that produces fruit in your life. Correct? We just established from Jesus' own sayings in 15... Fruitfulness in a Christian's life is directly proportionate to two things. Number one, you have to be in Him. Right? Number two, the Word has to be in you. Agreed? Okay, now He breaks it down in this parable. Now, now the question to you that you would ask me is, Anand, so what is this Word? You did tell me that this Word is righteousness. But 
Why don't you establish it for sure that this is the word? Why not? Why is it not some moral teaching as the word? Why is it not the word to live holy lives is the word that I should cling on? Why is it this word of righteousness that you have to cling on? Why is it this is the word that Jesus is talking about? Number one, the word of the law of moral living was always there. But it never bare bore fruit. In Israel, God gave the Ten Commandments, but did it bear fruit? He didn't bear fruit. When but God sent Jesus, gave unmerited righteousness freely, is when people started bearing fruit. Amen. Miracles started happening. Out of being pre-qualified in your righteousness, it happened. Now this is very powerful. We'll talk about fasting today. Something, I mean, when we are talking about so many sacred crowds in today's passage, you'll understand some of these deep truths. And there's a, there is a, there is a, you know why the enemy fights the word of righteousness? <laughs> because that's the only one thing that can produce fruit. See, he doesn't care whether you live moral lives. He doesn't care whether you pray long enough. He doesn't care. But if he cannot get you to understand the word of righteousness, he can keep you fruitless because that is the second best thing that he can do. What is the best thing he can do? Keep you out of the wine itself, right? But he can't do that right now. But he can do the next best thing is not make you understand the word of righteousness, right? If you remember, the word of righteousness is that best fruit, right? Whatever you decide, you get if you can receive this word of righteousness. This word of righteousness is not easily understood. That is why Jesus had to break it. Now, look at the problem that Israel had. Now, the context is now go back. Are you in Matthew chapter 13? Are you in Matthew chapter 13? Okay, now let's read the verse 10. And the disciples came and said to me, him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Wow! Now he's telling how the kingdom operates. Now, the kingdom operates because of the powerful operation of God's word in a believer's life. That's clear. He said, it's been given to you. Not, why is it called a mystery? Why is it called a mystery? Come on. Why is it called a mystery? Something that was not revealed. So up till this point, something about the kingdom of God was not revealed. Amen? Let me ask you a question. What was about the kingdom that was not revealed up till this point when Jesus spoke this parable? Wow, you're going there. <laughs> yeah, it is. But what about it? Was it the law? Because the law was already given up till now. There was no mystery about the law. What was about righteousness by good living? That was already given, right? But there was some mystery that was not revealed. Right? What is that mystery? Righteousness, righteousness as a gift was a mystery. Because Abraham looked forward to the day. David looked forward to the day when a blessed is he who, to whom God will not impute iniquity. He's looking forward to the day because when David sinned, did he suffer? Did David sin? Did he suffer? When he had a child through Bathsheba, what happened to the child? Died. Why? There are consequences to living unrighteously. Amen? And he said, I look forward to the day. Blessed is he when the God doesn't impute sin to me. Wow. So that's what the Hebrew says. They all look forward to this day. 
when this righteousness will be revealed. But they could not get it. Why could they not get this righteousness? Because Jesus had not died. Because God is just. You cannot get this righteousness without justly. Got it? Like, you know, it's like uh, I'm a very rich guy and you are all rich guys. But if somebody has a need and I take you to Walmart and I go into the store alley and pick up whatever you need and give it to you, is it just or not? Is it just? If I go with you to Walmart and pick up whatever you need and give it to you, is it just? No. It's not just because I didn't pay for it. <laughs> right? It only becomes just when? When both of us, or at least me, the one who has the ability, number one, Number two, the willingness. And he does it. You might have the ability and you might have the willingness, but you never come across, come to doing it. It's still no use, right? You have to walk and pay it, right? So just because God is generous and God wants you to give you this righteousness and to declare you completely sinless, completely guiltless, because he knows the power of a righteous man, right? He knows the power, the blessing on a righteous man. Because we had created righteous. When God created man, he created him righteous and blameless. So he enjoyed the wealth of the, na- the world. He enjoyed all what he wanted. But man sinned. He, he cannot have the relationship. Cannot. Cannot receive the blessing. So, so, so God had to do that justly. He had to give it to you. But he had to also say what? Pay. pay. Has to pay. So until that day happened, when the payment day happened, that mystery remained a mystery. So when, this is when Jesus came and said, look at what he said. Matthew chapter 13. I know I'm taking time, but I want you to be established in this doctrine. Wow, this is such a powerful thing because if you don't understand it, but you don't hear any other word in Christianity, any other preaching. If you can just understand this, if you can just understand this, because your whole Bible opens up for you. Say the word. Of righteousness. Okay? Now look, look at this. And he said, because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it has not been given. Because they rejected it. Right? For whoever has to him, more will be given. That means the more you meditate on this word of righteousness, what happens? The more you start seeing it everywhere. You will start growing in it. You will start believing it. You'll start seeing it everywhere. It'll be given to you. But if you don't believe in this word of righteousness, what'll happen? Whatever you ha- whatever you thought you had will be taken away. And you'll be left with a false sense of godliness. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm using these words very purposefully. You will have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Denying fruitfulness. You will have a form of godliness. But it will not have fruit in you. You will be a branch in Christ Jesus. That doesn't bear fruit. Get it? You will have a form of godliness. That does not bear fruit. But if you have this word of righteousness. The Bible promises. Jesus own words. Promises that you will grow in it. God will give you more and more revelation. About this word of righteousness. Because that is closest to his heart. 
the word of righteousness. Okay? Okay, now let's go to this. But to whoever it has more will be given and he will have abundance. But to whom, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see. Hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. What do they not understand? They don't understand this. This righteousness is not by working. It is as a gift. I am giving it to you. You don't understand that. And in this, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Hearing you will hear. And seeing you will understand. You shall not understand. And seeing you shall not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown cold. Dull. Their eyes are hard of hearing, their ears, eyes are shut, lest they shall see with the eyes and hear with the ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. See, healing comes out of this knowledge of this word of righteousness. Amen? Your healing is out here, in this word of righteousness. You get that? Hello? <laughs> I, 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 want you to, I want you to just park there. I want you to just park there. Is your healing in this word of righteousness? Because if you understand it, even if God doesn't want to heal you, your healing will come. Amen? Wow, how powerful is this word? How It's so powerful that even if God doesn't want to heal you, hold it. Even if God doesn't want to heal you, if you understand this word of righteousness, you will get healed even if God doesn't want to heal you. Do you get how powerful the word is? Something that even it will do even when God doesn't want you to get healed. Whose words are this? Not mine. Let's read it. Lest, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I am forced, I have to heal them. Lest, it's like, even if I don't want to heal you, but if you know this word of righteousness, your healing will spring forth. I want you to quickly go to Isaiah chapter. Wow, let's go there because it's so appropriate. Because I know because you're talking about healing. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 68. This is very popular. I, want, I hope you'll understand it. How many of you want to know about fasting? Fasting and the power of fasting and stuff fasting. And you studied about fasting and stuff like that. You should know the way God looks at fasting. We all say, there is power in fasting. There is power in that. We have power in this. But you know what is closest to God's heart? The closest to God's heart is the word of righteousness. Now look at this. I want you to go. I mean, are you all ready? Because I never get a chance maybe to talk about this powerfully. I want you to understand this in God's word. Okay? See how powerful this word is. Because we are talking about healing. Right? Okay. We need to fast and pray because of this healing. Right? That's what we learn. We are to fast and pray. Hold it. Hold it. Let's understand this word. Right? Let's understand what is this righteousness. Look at what it says. Cry aloud. Isaiah 58. I want you to go through this passage very powerfully. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. God is telling the prophet. Isaiah. Tell my people their transgression. And their house of Jacob their sins. Yet they daily seek me and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness. See. He says. Israel pretends as if they are righteous and comes to me and asks me prayer request. Right? He says, when you approach God and pretend, if you are not depending on Jesus' righteousness, you pretend that you need to receive from God because of what you do, God says, hold it. You are not a man. <laughs> you know, you 
your righteous. Got it? If you come outside of Christ, you are coming in your righteousness, God sees you filthy. But in Christ Jesus, you are completely covered. Make it make sense? You got it? So Israel didn't want Jesus. Got it? They didn't want Jesus. So they came out of Jesus to God based on their righteousness. And they were pretty righteous. They were not like crazy bad. They were not bad. I'm telling you. They were not bad. But God doesn't care how good you are. You either are perfectly good or you are completely evil. He doesn't have a, a grading on the curve. Principle when it comes to righteous. Either you are, remember the living creatures? It's like 99% holy. 99% holy. He <laughs> doesn't go around looking at the 24 elders. 99 point, 99 point, leaning 99.999. He doesn't go around. Either you are holy, holy, holy. What is three times holy means what? Absolutely holy. <laughs> when he looks at Anil, holy, holy and a half. You know? No, it doesn't. It's either holy, 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 or you're not holy at all. So he says, you, why do you come to me as if you have done righteousness? And you forsake the ordinance of the Lord. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. And they take delight in approaching God. Hey, I thought it is good, right, to approach God? God says, no. You cannot approach me if you are... No, no. Period. No, hold it, hold it. You cannot, say cannot, cannot. approach God if you are unrighteous. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, you don't understand. I have a heart for God. No. <laughs> he doesn't care. You cannot approach Him if you are unrighteous. Do you get it? I mean, that is godliness according to the world. Godliness according to the world is you can do penance and get over your unrighteousness. You cannot. This is a holy God. Either you are righteous or you are... He cannot. Therefore, therefore, Hebrews say, therefore now being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, let us boldly approach the throne of God. Right? You cannot approach the throne of God when you are unrighteous. No, but I am not, I'm righteous this week. <laughs> no, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. You are just born. You are born in sin. You are just born in sin. Even if you just said, ma, sin. <laughs> you just open your mouth, you've sinned. Because you, you're not clean. But God has made us clean. They take delight in approaching God. And they say, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen. Ah, that sounds familiar. You fasted so many days, but no, there's no answer. Because you're not being fruitful. Because what you desire, you don't get. Correct? He said, why have we fasted? Hey, I have fasted. Whatever, whatever not. Why have we afflicted our souls? See? We have afflicted our souls. Isn't that what you're supposed to do as a believer? Afflict your souls. But you take no notice. Doesn't care. I'm, this is how. I mean, if, if I had preached this without you knowing that it was in the Bible, you would say heresy. Right? You will say that's a false doctrine. But thank God you all are opening the same Bible and you are reading it. I want you to go back because there's a point, a very powerful point to be made. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife. That means when you fast, it produces more strife and debate. Right? And to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do. do the, oh, look at this. Look, look, look. Do you read verse 4? You and God is saying, 
you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high hold it you will not fast to make your voice heard on high you will not fast to make your voice heard on high you will not say i'm fasting so that god will hear my prayers hold it that is not what i have been taught my i have always been taught you fast to make your voice heard on high god says no i, I don't know why i'm screaming but i'm saying this because when sacred cows fall they make noise <laughs> you will not fast to make your voice heard on high okay we will talk about new testament fasting way different we'll, we'll cover that first let's now cover what you should not fast you will not fast to make your voice heard on high why why should you not fast to make your voice heard on high what's that that's what you're afflicting your soul it's as it's number one presuming that by your efforts you will become righteous and therefore i have to bless you you cannot even ask me if you're not righteous make sense you cannot even approach me if you're not righteous correct don't even bother fasting right so you can only fast if you're number one righteous so don't fast to make your voice heard on high look at what he says isn't a fast that i have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul i thought that's what a fast is supposed to be isn't that a fast that is supposed to be afflict your soul is it to bow his head like a bulrush to spread out his sackcloth and ashes would you call it a fast and an acceptable day to the lord god says when you fast does it is it an acceptable day to the lord he says then he says the implication is what it is not an acceptable day to the lord correct this kind of fasting that you want that you want to make god hear your voice is not acceptable to god because it is not coming it is not coming in in a in a standard of righteousness um so is it not a fast that i've chosen now he he says a fast that you should choose now how many of you want to know a fast that god wants you to have right now let's read the fast that he wants you to have is it not the fast that i've chosen to loose the bonds of right wickedness to undo the heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring into your house the poor that are cast out and when you see the naked that you cover the him and not hide yourself from your own flesh now he, the, this is the father speaking to jesus prophetically he says what's the fast that i want jesus you to have i want you to not hide yourself from your own flesh did god become flesh for us yes so he he qualified us as being of the same flesh he said i don't want you to hide yourself from them I, i that is a fast i want see is it the context still a fast right in this fast i want their burdens to be removed say removed the bonds of wickedness to be loosed that means all your sins to be removed that's the bonds of wickedness right then what the oppressed go free because of your sin you're oppressed and he wants the oppressed to go free and he wants to break every yoke are you do you have a sickness god says i want that to be broken right not not to share your bread with the hungry so who was the bread who said i am the bread jesus 
Jesus. He said, I want all the ones around Jesus are hungry. He said, I want you to share your bread with the hungry. This is not about you. It's about the Messiah who is the bread of life. He said, I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. And he says, I'm, I'm coming down to share my bread with the hungry. So did he do that? Right? So, so now the focus has shifted from the one who is doing the fasting to whom? To the Messiah. Do you see that? This is the fast. And he calls it a fast. When you see Jesus, God calls it an acceptable fast. Do you see that? Okay, look at this. And to bring into your house the poor who was cast out. Did Jesus constantly bring the poor who was cast out into the temple? And the Pharisees were pushing it. And the poor and the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners. Oh, totally wicked. Totally wicked. But they were coming in. Because what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? No. Yeah. But what was he actually doing? He's fasting. Because this is the fast that his father has chosen for him. And he's going ahead and doing this. Correct? So he calls that an acceptable fast. Look at the word acceptable day. Correct? So is this an acceptable day? The day of fasting? Children, brothers and sisters, we are in the days of fasting. But the new covenant fasting, when your bonds have been broken and the oppressed are being set free, and your righteousness... Oh, hold that. The, the exciting part is still not come. Keep him. When you see the naked that you cover him. What? Who? Who needs to be covered? Because they are covered with their unrighteousness. But they removed those garments of unrighteousness and covered them with the robes of righteousness. I'm covered with the robes of righteousness. And Jesus went around. You know, Jesus in so many miracles. You should go in the gospel and look at it. In so many miracles, even before he would heal them, he would declare them righteous. Did he say, you, your sins have been forgiven. Women, your sins are forgiven. Why? He declares them righteous, number one. Because he knows if he can declare them righteous, number one, he's declaring a fast. And he's clothing them with the righteous garments of Jesus. His righteousness. Right? Do you see that thing? Okay. What is the power of this righteousness? What happens? Look at this. When you see the naked, you cover him. You hide and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break forth. Jesus' light broke forth in the darkness. Amen? And then what? Your healing, Jesus' healing shall spring forth speedily. How? How? Speedily. Why does healing take time in your life? Why? Because, look at the next verse. Your righteousness shall go before you. Hallelujah. Do you want to know the secret of quick healing? The quick healing is when your righteousness goes forth. Whose righteousness? Jesus' righteousness. Because this is the Father speaking to the Messiah. The Son. He's perfectly talking to the Messiah. Says, let your righteousness go forward. And your healing will spring forth speedily. Hallelujah. So whenever any, any, any woman... Like the woman who touched her with the hem of a garment. She touched, she had, un, she had uh, internal bleeding, which was like an unclean, unclean bleeding. Which, according to the uh, book of Leviticus, you are not even supposed to approach common people, lest alone a rabbi, lest alone a preeminent prophet, lest alone the Messiah, lest alone the Son of God, lest alone God himself. 
she came and said, if I only may touch the hem of his garment. What is the hem of garment? Hem of garment is the garment, the blue line, the tekelet is a picture of finished. Tekelet in Hebrew means finished. Something has finished on Jesus' garment. What was that? He's put away our sin and taken our righteousness and he has given me his righteousness. He said, if I can just touch his righteousness, guess what happens? My healing happens immediately. Did her healing start or gradually progressed and finished? No. It speedily. Because he, she speedily understood righteousness. You get it? She touched the hem. She touched the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And said, I can touch him. Why? Because I am not unclean. Isn't that what the righteousness is about? The power of righteousness. That even when Jesus... Oh, hold it. We just got this revelation right now. This is what Isaiah said. Even when, lest I should heal them. That even when I didn't want to heal you, you get healed. Which was the only place which happened in Jesus' ministry. The woman who touched from behind. Right? Right. Because that was without permission. Not not asked for, but received speedily, without asking. Do you see that revelation? When she touched righteousness, her healing spring forth speedily. You see the power of the word of righteousness in your life? He said, hold fast to that word. If you can hold fast to that word, in that word is all your supply, all your victory, all your power. Everything that you need for life is in that word of righteousness. He said, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. He didn't divide it, saying, seek ye first the kingdom. And he said, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Because the word of the kingdom is the word of righteousness. There is no kingdom without righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you see the power? Okay, look at what he says. And your glory shall go before you. Sorry, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And look at what he says. Look at what he says. Did you read that? Yes. What does he say? Then you shall call on the Lord. Then you shall call on the Lord. And the Lord will answer. He shall cry. And he will say, Here I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is what, what Jesus said. You shall ask what you desire. And you shall receive it. Because what happened? Because your righteousness has gone forth. You see that? You are becoming fruitful in your life. Because you are righteous in Christ Jesus. You are righteous. And then what he says. Your glory shall go forth. That means what is glory? What is glory? Glory is not this supernatural uh, 2500 watts of warm yellowish light. (laughs) It is not that. That follows you around. Do you want to know what glory is? Glory is defined again in that most powerful chapter, John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is the glory, Lord, that you have given me, I have given them. What does glory mean? God's good opinion about Jesus. Say God's good opinion. opinion. About Jesus. He said that glory, he has given it to you. That means God has the same opinion about you that he has about 
Jesus. So when you ask him, what happens? You receive. Because why? Why? Because you believe that God has the same opinion about you that he has about Jesus. Right? So if you believe that, if you believe that, what happens? Let's go back to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I'm sorry I'm taking so much time. But I want you to be established in this. Right? This, John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is something that you need to meditate on. John chapter 17. Okay. Look at this power. Okay. Let's read John chapter 16 uh, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you shall not be made to stumble. So Jesus goes ahead this John chapter 14, 15 and 16 and 17. He 14, 15, 16, 17, four chapters, continually telling them that they are righteous, they are clean, they are perfect. And he says, I am saying this to you so that you should not be made to stumble. How are you, how are you made to stumble? When people come after me to tell you that you are not righteous, what will happen? You will stumble. What is the disadvantages of stumbling? No, <laughs> that is physical. But I'm saying, you, you, can, you won't bear fruit. You will not bear fruit. Because you are not holding on to these words of righteousness that I have spoken to you. That means, remember what we started this whole session from. There is only one variable in Christian life that will make you fruitful. Only one variable. See, it's very simple. It's only one thing. That's it. You, it is nothing else. It's only one thing. By the way, you can only focus on one thing in life. <laughs> At any point of time. That's why Jesus said. Mary has chosen the one thing. She chose Jesus' righteousness. He said, that's it. All the other things started working together. Guess what happened? Money starts flowing into your life. Health starts springing forth. Spring forth. Not ask for, spring forth. Resources start coming in. Because you just focused on one thing. That one word of righteousness that you held fast on. Agreed? He says, and Jesus says, these things I have said to you that you shall be not be. So what is he Focused on? He's focused on something that he is saying. These things that I'm saying to you that you shall not stumble. Okay, keep reading. These things that you shall not be stumble. Let's read this. And it is in that context, John chapter 16 verse uh, uh, let's see John chapter 15 verse 26 but when the helper comes whom I shall send from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify of me he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth and the Holy Spirit always testifies to the truth so the question was what is the truth right so Jesus clarifies that in verse John chapter 16 verse 10 the Holy Spirit when he comes he will convict the world of sin does not apply to us and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they. Not referred to us. So the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit convict you of sin? How many of you believe the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin? <laughs> That's a trick question. I don't want anybody to raise, raise their hands. Because the Holy Spirit does not convict the uh, believer of sin. Does not. Hold it. We just start. Spent one hour telling you that you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So the second person of the Godhead comes up and starts testifying something else? No. Hold it. Can it, will it testify something else? 
that the, the first and the second person of the God, you can't even say first, second, third, right, in the Godhead. When the Father and the Son says you are righteous, will the Holy Spirit now come up and say, I have a different idea? No. He will also say the same thing. Say the same thing. Say what? That you are righteous. So isn't it correct, so good for God to send a one person of the Godhead to stay with you, constantly telling you what? Look at what he says. The world of sin. So accurate it is. The Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of sin because it says the world of sin. Because why? Verse 9. I want everyone to read verse 9. Of sin because they did not believe in me. Do you believe in him? Yes. So the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin? <laughs> so, so we have been taught the more close you are with God, the more fellowship you are with God, the more sensitive you are to sin. Totally negative. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible calls that in Hebrews chapter 11 an evil conscience that constantly convicts you of sin. Because he says the blood of bulls and goats that had to constantly wash you from sin. But this sacrifice, Jesus by one sacrifice, once for all, has put away sin. Not just covered sin, put away sin. Do you understand this word of righteousness? If you don't understand this word of righteousness, believers, let me tell you one thing. You will go to heaven. <laughs> but you will go strugglingly. Dying you shall die, but go to heaven. But you don't want to go to heaven. Dying. You want to go to heaven in righteousness and victory. Amen? Look at what it says. Of the world... Because they do not believe in me. So are you the one that does not believe in Jesus? No. So he doesn't convict me of sin. It's hard. Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of sin. Say the Holy Spirit. Does not convict me of sin. So what does he convict you of? Look at what he says. Verse 10. Of exactly the opposite. Wow. Sin and righteousness is as far away from each other as east is from the west. So how can the Holy Spirit convict you? It's like, we're going to spend one hour today morning, Bobby and the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend one hour today to convict you of sin. Eight hours in righteousness, but one hour. There are stuff that you need to get right in your life. You know? No, no. No, that is not the Holy Spirit. Do you see the thing? The way he corrects stuff in you is how? By cleaning you. How does he clean you? We just studied in the John chapter 15. He constantly tells you, you are righteous. So, how, how does that work? I don't know, but it works. The more you are told that you are righteous, guess what? God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit starts working in your life and produces good works and the Father gets the glory. Hallelujah. Because now you are meditating not on your righteousness, you are meditating on whose righteousness? His righteousness. And you see His righteousness. You see more of His righteousness because He says to more, to whom little is, more is given, more will be given. You constantly see more righteousness. Hallelujah. And you become more righteous. You, sorry, sorry. You don't become more righteous. You become more aware of his righteousness. 
and you bear much fruit. You become more fruitful. Then you ask whatever you want, you get. And God says, ah, that's a disciple. So discipleship is not like becoming like Jesus. Hold it. That, is that under the sacred cow that just fell somewhere in some room? Discipleship is not like becoming Jesus. Disciples is realizing that you are like Jesus. You are already like Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see the distinction? If God, if Satan can just keep you in that everlasting domain of doubt, of constantly reaching out for righteousness as something to be achieved rather than something that you have already attained in Christ Jesus, you will be in time freeze, not bearing fruit. You're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of years as a believer not bearing fruit because you are in that dead zone which does not bear fruit. The only fruit that bears is the word produces fruit. Not your efforts, not your fasting, not your praying. It is your understanding of God's word. What word? There are so much words in the scripture. But what word? Especially the word which was a mystery that was now revealed. What word? The word of righteousness. Okay, let's read further. Of righteousness because I go to the, my father and you see me no more. Why? See, because when Jesus was with the disciples, did the disciple ever feel unclean? Right? When the, when the disciples were with Jesus, they never felt unclean. Like for example, they would eat stuff on the Sabbath, boldly, and they never felt condemned. They would, no, they would go into uh, a house and not wash their hands. You see that thing? See, all that has been put in for a reason. Remember what the Bible says, and the Pharisees came and complained, how is it? <laughs> this is what they said. Look at what they complained. They said, how is it that we and the disciples of John fast, but you all don't? So what is your answer to them? In light of what we studied today. No, 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 no. That's not what we studied today. Remember the Pharisees came and asked Jesus, how is it that we and the disciples of John fast, but your disciples don't? Perfect. Because what are they doing? No, they are fasting. How are they fasting? By resting in Jesus' righteousness. Do you see the fast? They are, they are doing an acceptable fast. You, you see, you missed it, right? Did you miss it? Because see how easy it is for us to focus on their works. But the disciples missed, the disciples were fasting. So what was Jesus' response to them? Jesus' response is, will a bridegroom, will, a, will, will the friends of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? Because they are still friends at this point of time. Remember? See how accurate Jesus is even in his examples. He cannot call them his bride yet. When, does they, when do they become his bride? After he rose from the dead. Right? So at this point of time they are still friends. But he says, even as a friend, how will they fast when they are with him? Because they are doing the acceptable thing at that point of time. What is the acceptable thing? They are fasting according to Isaiah chapter 58. Because they are being declared clean by Jesus. Jesus constantly. So what Jesus says is, 
Now that time, that time is happening where I will go away. Amen? What is the biggest problem with that? What is the biggest problem? There will be nobody to keep telling you that you are righteous. The Pharisees will come and tell you that you have to keep the law and you will stumble. The others will come and say that you need to be circumcised. And exactly that's what happened. After Jesus resurrected, the early church, who were the biggest persecutors of the early church? It were the Jewish believers. Sorry, it were the... It's interesting. The early church were persecuted by Jews who followed Jesus but were not believers. But wanted to employ all the uh, laws on the new believers because they were wanting to get them to stumble. Because once you get them under the law, now they have the authority to pronounce what? Clean or unclean. Right? So remember the report. If you are a citizen of a different country and you are in a different country, that laws do not apply to you anymore. You are now in the kingdom where God has declared you clean. But how, why should you hold on to that? Because that is the word that produces fruit in your life. Amen? So hold fast to the fruit. Okay. And he says, because, because, of, because of righteousness, because I go to my father and I see you no more. Why? Because Jesus was the pre, pre proponent of God's righteousness as a gift to the disciples. And he was afraid. He was not afraid. He was concerned that if he would not send the Holy Spirit, there would be nobody to tell them that they are righteous. So God did a beautiful thing. He sent the Holy Spirit to live with you, constantly crying out, "What, Abba, Father?" You cannot call somebody Abba, Father, if you are not righteous. He says, "You are the Son of God." Constantly, the Son of God. He said, constantly reminds you that you are Abba, Father. The righteous one. I, I want you to go to uh, 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 Matthew chapter 13 again. Matthew chapter... Let's go to Luke chapter 8 verse uh, 15. The same passage. The, the source of the word is in all the three synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospel is Matthew, Mark and Luke. Let's go to... Let's, let's go to Luke. Luke. Luke chapter 8. Did you get that? Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> okay. Luke chapter 8. Let's cut to cut to the point where the good ground is. Okay? Uh, verse 15. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart. The word there noble is in the Greek is still means good. Means a pure heart. A good heart. A good heart. Keep it. The word keep in the Greek is hold fast and bear fruit with patience. Patience means hold on to. Okay. Let me ask you a question. He says, the ones who, who... Now we are talking about what? Look at the next verse. verse. And in the other passage it says, some a 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Correct? So he says, if you receive this word, 
what you have to do you have to you have to receive it on good as a, with a good heart good heart means a heart that understands it so do you understand this word of righteousness he says hold on to it why hold on to it no i know it will bear fruit because the fruit the word is the one which bears fruit hold on to it with perseverance now why do you need to be persevere with this word why that means when situations come in your life which makes it appear that you are reaping the fruits of your mediocrity reaping the fruits of your sins you have to still say what i am righteous because that needs perseverance you got it you have to still say i am righteous make sense look at what he says look at the verse verse 13 but these are ones who are on the rock who are those who hear receive the word with joy they receive the word of righteousness with joy and they have no root that means they are not established in this word who believe for a while they believe the word of righteousness for a while that means after today's live team message you are like very excited you are like yes i am the righteousness of jesus righteousness is my righteousness i am completely righteous right this is my righteousness right for a season you believe that right but in the time of testing you immediately starts judging yourself when you judge yourself you bring yourself under condemnation when you bring on condemnation you become unfruitful means what is fruitfulness mean means what you are standing for or believing for it doesn't you don't receive it you got it simple it's fruitful is not nothing any major major whatever you are standing for you don't receive that means you don't receive it that means but you want to be very fruitful that means even when it doesn't appear as if you are righteous that means you are not seeing the benefits of it and you stop and you never judge yourself you never say i am not righteous you hold on to that word come what may because that word is the one that will bear fruit got it that word is the one that will bear fruit in your life okay i want you to go to and and i do, i don't have time to talk about so much areas but uh let's go to uh second peter chapter 3 i'm going to cut to cut as fast as possible there's so much stuff but i'm not going to take it 75% of it this is so much so much revelation and i want you to i'll 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 encourage you very very strongly as much as i can even actually drag you <laughs> to open isaiah the book of isaiah start studying righteousness of jesus got it every time you see the word righteousness in isaiah replace it with his righteousness and start reading it meditating on it churning it remember that's the word that you have to hold on to correct okay i want you to quickly go with so much stuff uh second peter now second peter talks about a lot of stuff and this is how he concludes second peter he talks about the end of the days the day of the lord and all that second peter chapter 3 verse 14 therefore beloved looking forward to these things be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless you see that thing be very careful not to 
Say anything else about yourself except what? Be without spot and blameless. Right? Why? And consider that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. As also the beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. See, he's now referring to this steadfastness in believing that you are blameless and without spot. He refers to Paul. Because who talked about the righteousness of faith? Paul. And says, do you remember what Paul said? In all the episodes, speaking in them of these things in which some are hard to understand. So do you understand how difficult this word of righteousness is to understand? Because it appears as if it is very contrary to normal work. That means it's always, righteousness is always taught. So much taught. For years together. As something that you do. Right? But he says, some people don't understand it. Because they stumble on that. So he says, Paul explained that. Right? Look at what he says. Hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as the rest of the scriptures. So Paul talked about the righteousness of faith and people take that and run with it. Oh, that's a license to sin. Oh, that is this. They twist it. They condemn that word of righteousness. Why? Because they, the enemy knows it is that word that will produce your healing. It is that word that will produce your prosperity. It is that word that brings all the wealth in your life. Right? Okay, look at verse 6. You therefore, beloved. He goes again to remind you. Verse 17. You therefore, beloved. Since you know this beforehand, beware. Hold it. Read that verse again. Beware. Lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. About what? That you being righteous. Don't stop judging yourself. So don't ever judge yourself and think that you have fallen from that place of righteousness. Be steadfast. Why? Being led away with the error of the wicked. What is the error of the wicked? The error of the wicked is to, be, to guide you, to tell you that your works will produce the fruits. Your actions produce the uh, fruits. That's the error of the wicked. See, it appears when you read that the error of the wicked means to do wrong things. No. The error of the wicked is to depend on your righteousness, not the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the error of the wicked. It's a very subtle way that the enemy tries to get you. It's like when stuff, when you go through a tough time, immediately the first thoughts are, what are the first thoughts? What did I do wrong? Right? You just are being led by the error of the wicked. Right? You're not holding on to the word saying what? You did nothing wrong. I am the righteousness of God. He has covered me. And I'm fasting. <laughs> now you have a new implication of fasting. That means I am completely clean. I'm going to eat and drink and be merry in Jesus. That's why he said, John brought weeping and crying and you would not believe. I came eating and drinking. See, the Jesus comes, his gospel is eating and drinking. But you know, have you seen the people who depend on their righteousness, the first thing for them is they stop eating certain kinds of foods. For some reason, they, they start, they, it gives them a false sense of righteousness. Oh, today is a holy day, I don't eat meat. Oh, today is this, I've stayed away from carbs. Because they, somehow it gets you some level of Comfort. Why? Because it is deceptive. Satan. I'm telling you, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit here so strong. Satan doesn't care 
how you feel righteous, as long as you feel righteous about your righteousness. He doesn't care. It could be as simple as a mushroom. You know what I'm <laughs> oh, I'm good because I don't eat shrimp. Yeah. Cool. Run with it. Okay. Shrimp is your, his, his armor that he will destroy you with. Because now you depend on that to save you. You depend on that for your healing. You depend on that for your health. You depend on that for your works. And you will be lost. Not from heaven. But from being fruitful in that area in your life. Oh, I, am, I always wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I fast. Or I pray. Now, subtle, right? Why doesn't your disciples fast as we fast? Because now they are depending on the fasting. You see that thing? You, I mean, brothers and sisters, if you don't hold to this word of righteousness as a gift that God has made you, and you, if you are moved from this steadfastness that declares all the living creatures declare to you, holy, 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 and the Holy Spirit lives in you, declares you, you're righteous. The Father speaks down on you that you're righteous. The Son declares that you're righteous. And you go about your own fine way. I may or may not be righteous. You are committing blasphemy. Why is that so important? Because it is this word that bears fruit. It is not the ground that bears fruit. It is not all the preaching that bears fruit. It is your holding on to this word that bears fruit. You will be surprised that now that you have learned this, and I'm pretty sure you've learned this before, but this you grab onto it, you live by it. Guess what happens? You will, God will open your eyes to see his righteousness in a beauty that you never saw. It will start moving from your, your righteousness to his righteousness. And you start seeing so much more beautiful. The whole of the Bible, actually the last couple of years, the word has opened up so much in my life. You know, it has nothing to do what I never understood before. It's simply because the Holy Spirit just opened everything. Everything just clicks. Everything makes sense. All the scriptures, for, everything opens up. Everything makes sense in the light of His righteousness. Everything opens up. There is no burden on me. There is no yoke on me. There is no bondage on me. Because everything opens up because everything is very free. Right? And it produces much fruit. Your witnessing life improves. You start bearing fruit. You see, money starts flowing in. Friendship starts happening. Stuff happening. Nothing to do with it because the Bible says it is like a man plants seed in his friend. He sleeps and wakes up. He knows not how. But it bears fruit. Do you want to see fruitfulness while you sleep? Sleep with the word of righteousness. It will bear fruit irrespective of what you want. Lest your healing spring for speedily. Okay, keep reading. Now, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, he's repeating that same thing again. I, I told you all this. Okay. Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away by the error of the wicked. But how? But what should you do? Read. Not my words. Do what? But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not grow in what you should do. Not grow in what you should accomplish. But grow in the grace of God. That means the unmerited favor of God which is the word of righteousness. And the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That means look to him. Grow in him. That means all preaching that focuses on you is error of the wicked. I'm telling you, it is the error of the wicked. I'm not saying that that is that is they are wrong. That they are doing. You know, I can't even say that. I don't know what to say. All error that focuses on you is the error of the wicked. 
Okay. I want you to go to another very powerful verse. Okay. Let's go to. Let's go to. Second Timothy. Okay, first Timothy. Look at this. See how powerful it is. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot stop without telling you this. Look at this part. You just read first Peter. Peter saying the same thing to this is how he conclude. How many letters did Peter write? How many books did Peter write? That's it. And in his his focus of his letter was what? I mean, this is Peter. I mean, you would think that Peter would be writing the bulk of the New Testament, isn't it? <laughs> of all the things that Peter wanted to tell you, he wants to tell you is what? Don't fall from your steadfastness. Hold on to this righteousness. And don't be led away with the error of the wicked. And grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Of all the things, if Peter had to tell you that, you think that is important? Yes, son. Of all the things, okay? Look, look at what it is. Look at how powerful this is. This will blow your mind if you understand this. Look at this. Se, sec, uh, uh, First Timothy chapter 3. These things, I want you to go through this passage. Let's just be with me, okay? Just read it very carefully. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write to you that you should know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now he's telling Christians, believers. How to conduct yourself, how to live your lives. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. We just studied what the truth is. The truth is the word of righteousness. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. First Timothy chapter 3. Verses 14. Okay, let me read that again. These things I write to you, though I hope to you come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write that you should know how you should conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. That means only in the church there is that is truth. What is this truth? That you are righteous by a gift of God and you are righteous apart from your works. That is the truth. Amen? Grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Truth is no right and wrong. That is not truth. That is not Bible truth. That must be worldly truth. Truth according to the gospel is Jesus. The grace of God. Unmerited favor. Your righteousness apart from your works. That is truth. Because that came from Jesus. Because law came from Moses. Law is the one that told you what is right and wrong. But Jesus didn't come to tell you what is right and wrong. Did you know that? Jesus came to give you. Jesus, Jesus already knew you were wrong. <laughs> it's like. Of, Jesus was the fireman who was sent by the dispatch department. To go to a house burning with fire. He's not coming to ring the door and say, Is there fire in your house? You got it? Do you get it? He's not coming ringing the doorbell and telling you, Is there fire? He's been sent because there's a fire. That's why he said, I did not come to condemn the world, but the world through me should be saved. You are already condemned already. <laughs> You're already burning, and I can see it from five miles. <laughs> So when you boast in your righteousness, remember, he can see it burning from five miles. Right? He can see it burning from five miles. He's coming to get you, to save you. So he's coming. So Jesus said, Moses came with the law. 
Because Moses came because there were a bunch of people sleeping in the house, didn't know their house was on fire. So Moses knocked at the door and said, fire, this is how you detect fire, there is light, there is warmth, there is heat. <laughs> there are 10 steps to look at fire. If you touch that, that is fire. So they understood, this is fire. Touch, touch fire, you get burnt. That's what Moses did. But Moses, so, so people got burnt right, left and center in Moses' ministry, correct? Dying, dying here, dying there, everywhere people are dying. No, nobody wants to, everybody is afraid to go in the presence of God in Moses' ministry, correct? Because all he's saying is, this is God, God is very just, God is perfect, don't assume that you are good. If you think you are good, think again. If you think you are uh, good, think twice. Lest you think otherwise, kill seven bulls. Be careful. Kill some more. <laughs> you know? I mean, because, he, because Moses is like, you never know, man. It's going to be that one sin, right? Not covered, you're going to die. Right? Because constant like, consciousness of what? Constant consciousness of what? Sin. So he got the people completely ready to cry out saying, don't talk about sin anymore. We know we are sinners. Send us a savior. Hallelujah. Then God said, good timing, man. Good timing. No point sending the fireman to a house when the people don't know what a fire is. When Jesus came, the fire was burning. It was at crazy degrees Celsius. They were jumping to get out. But there was a bunch who still believed that it is good fire. You know, but, but bottom line. So that's how Jesus was. So God, look at this. Sorry, why did I digress that? These things are right to you. Pillar, with, but look at verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Let me ask you a question. If godliness is so clear, is so evident, like you ask a heathen guy, what is godliness? Somebody who doesn't know Christ, what will he say about godliness? What will he say? Manu, if somebody asks your friend who's not a believer, what is godliness? Help the poor. Help the poor. Uh, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. What else? Most of them are like... Don't drink. Don't drink. Don't eat. I'm sorry. Don't eat. Don't, don't eat meat. Don't eat meat. A lot of, the, lot of my Hindu friends are big on to... You know, big, big. I mean, they, they're killing people. You know what? But they don't eat meat. But he doesn't eat meat, you know. <laughs> There's a false sense of righteousness. I mean, I'm ridiculous. I mean, do you know what you're saying? What you're saying? But I don't. I obviously I don't condemn them, right? Yeah. Our job is not to. I mean, but I'm thinking, you you are an adulterer. I know you're an adulterer. And you don't eat. So what? You're a vegetarian adulterer. <laughs> you know, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. You see how stupid the righteousness of man is. How ridiculous it is. I mean, that's how it is. Because it has to. It has to because that's the plan of the enemy, correct? He don't care. I was like, it could be mushrooms, right? I do not eat mushrooms. My whole family don't eat mushrooms. I have brownie points when I go before God. <laughs> Send him to the mushroom court. <laughs> I'm sorry. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So if godliness is so clear... Why does Paul say it's a mystery? Because the godliness according to God's word is a mystery. So if you're following the godliness that is evident to the rest of the world, 
obviously you are not hitting godliness because godliness according to paul is a mystery and then he goes ahead and tells you what the godliness according to the scripture is do you want to hear that is that good do you ever thought about it that godliness mystery of godliness hey paul i don't need to know the mystery of godliness godliness every drunkard knows what the mystery of godliness is but no godliness is a mystery why just like the word of righteousness was a mystery in the kingdom do you understand that it's a mystery what is so we look at it. god was manifest in the flesh suddenly it is not about oh hold it hold it repeat say somebody loud suddenly it is not about us suddenly it is not about us so the first shock i get it is godliness has nothing to do with me it is about something that god is doing that is so contrary to all philosophies all religions all systems that we study about godliness in the world is always about you doing or not doing something yes or no yes agree but paul says that's a mystery this godliness this godliness is god becoming flesh see god becoming flesh was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit that means we were justified in the spirit have you got justified in the spirit right okay seen by angels jesus was seen by angels jesus was seen by angels we are seen by angels see what happened to jesus now has happened to us so angels are ministering spirits now angels minister to you have you seen, noticed that the ministry of angels after jesus rose again dramatically increased angels started appearing at the tomb angels started angels appear everywhere because angels have no problem associating with what kind of people righteous ah did you get this angels have no problem dealing with righteous people in fact in the old covenant angels didn't want to meet people why or people didn't want to meet angels they are afraid that they will die because they were righteous angels are righteous and they are not in fact remember when uh, the moses when the angel appeared before zechariah before jesus was born what is it what did when when uh, zechariah said you know how can this be <laughs> just just one word how can it be what is gabriel's response i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god and has been sent to tell you these things but because you did not believe you're going to be dumb hold it hold it i mean we say all kinds of stuff right you don't mess around with angels he says you cannot you what 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 are you saying <laughs> you're saying that you don't believe what i just said after that you're you're doing stupid stuff you know you're doing all kinds of things but angels appear to you because they in their eyes what are you or holy 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 they see you holy correct they see you holy right so seen by angels say i'm seen by angels he said we are not come to mount zion but we are come to mount zion an innumerable company of angels in mount zion there were not many angels correct but on mount zion where we are right now we studied all of last year we studied who where we are where are we right now in mount zion correct this is your kingdom this is your city we are in that 
There are innumerable company of angels. So we are seen by angels. Okay. Preached among the Gentiles. Is this gospel preached among the Gentiles? Hold it. This, how can this gospel be preached to Gentiles? It's supposed to be preached to the Jews who keep the law. But hold it. That means it is preached to people who don't even believe in a God. That means people who are idol worshippers. It is preached to the gospel. That means this godliness is preached to people who do not even believe in a living God. See, Gentiles means what? Idol worshippers, isn't it? Isn't it? It's not the law, it's not the nations who follow a living God. These are people who follow wood, stone, all kinds of stuff. He says, the mystery of godliness is being now preached to who? People who don't care for God, do not believe in God, and do evil stuff. But he calls it the mystery of godliness. That means, again, it is not about... It's not about them, but it is about Jesus. Look at what he says. Next verse. Believed on in the world. You just believe it. It's, do you see a doing in this place? In this passage? In the godliness? In the mystery of godliness, there should be, I suggest, should be some level of doing, isn't it? Do you see some doing in this? Come on! Do you see some doing in this? If godliness is... Hold it! How many times have we heard godliness being preached about something that you should... What doing have you read in this, in this mystery? There is no doing in this. Do you see that? Believed on in this world, what? Received up in glory. Will you be received up in glory also? Yes. Was Jesus received up in glory? So will God, you get the glory? Correct? Now, he contrasts this to the godliness in the world. Remember, this is one chap, one book. Let's read the next verse. Now, he continues the th thought. Now the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from this doctrine of mystery of the godliness. Do you get it? Do you understand that? Do you get this passage? It's linked. It's linked. It's the same thought. Now, that means, having now told you the mystery of godliness, now, what will happen is, in the latter times, people will depart from this mystery of godliness or people will depart from the, the word of righteousness and what will they inevitably turn to? Just your guess. Forget about not reading the passage. Huh? Means they will shift from looking at God and his finished work and start depending on their own righteousness. Correct? Because that is da. That's what the Satan is going to do. That's what the enemy does because he knows if he can get you to believe that godliness because even that is a form of godliness. Yes or no? But he says if you can get you to be preoccupied all your life with that godliness you will not be fruitful. So what is fruitful? How do you define fruitfulness? No, no, no. You will get whatever you ask. Come on. Come on. Do we remember John chapter 16? He said, whatever you ask, you will receive. He calls it, by this you will bear much fruit and my father is glorified. You got it? You will ask whatever you want because you believe this word of righteousness. See, because if you believe that you are Trump's son, you will get what you want from Trump. Got it? Right? 
even if you don't believe it, you will not even bother to write anything because you never know what the secret service will do next day. Right? But if you know you are the son of God, you don't care. Great. That's how it is. Okay. Look at what it says. So, in the latter times, the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, you would think that the doctrines of demons is something to do with evil works. Correct? Right? Right? That's what you would think. Right? But look at how deceptive it is. The doctrines of demons is what? Hold on. Guys, look here. <laughs> this, you need to get this. This is very, very important because I don't want you to go. The, the, in the latter times, people will depart from this mystery of godliness and give heed to deceiving spirits. Why is it deceiving? Because it will appear as if it is a godliness and doctrines of demons. And he calls those doctrines of demons. Now let's analyze what are the doctrines of demons. Let's read it. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. That means they will believe that by doing certain things that they will become what they are not. That's hypocrisy, correct? That means you say who you are, what you are not. Okay. Having their own conscience seared. Now for the first time, conscience comes into the picture. Remember, conscience is evil. A evil conscience is the evil conscience that constantly convicts you of sin. Right? He, he, the deceiving spirit makes you very sensitive to sin. Because he's constantly convicting you of sin. Remember what the Holy Spirit will do to the world. But the Holy Spirit will not do to the believer. So the demonic spirits do the same thing what the Holy Spirit does. But it does, it flips it. Say flip. It convicts the world of righteousness. <laughs> and convicts the believer of sin. Do you see the deception? So it will tell the world that you are righteous. It will tell the believer you are sinner. Did you get it? Because he is a spirit. It's the same spirit. But it flips it. It flips it on the believer. It will keep telling the believer, convict them on sin. Convict them on sin. Beat them on sin. 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 Repent. 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 Constantly. Because if he can get you there, you fall from steadfastness. Remember what Peter said? Because you don't believe what Paul wrote in his epistles. See, he's referring to Paul. What did Paul write in his epistles? The law of righteousness by faith. Everybody knows what Paul was talking about. Paul was considered a heresy in the time of the, the epistles because he was preaching another gospel, kind of gospel. They believe that they, they said, what is he preaching? He's saying the wicked can tempt and, let, and go free, which is what Malachi prophesied about the days of Paul. He said, they will say that the wicked do stupid stuff and they go free and they are blessed. Malachi talks about it. He said, but the Lord remembered them and a book of remembrance was written for them and they'll be like jewels in my sight. See, God talks about you and me of those, the world, the, the religious teachers talk, say that, hey, they are preaching this false gospel. He says, I, I heard them when they spoke about this word of righteousness. In George and Annie's house that day, I remember that. They, they heard this word and they believe it. I'm going to write them and they'll be like precious stones in my sight. Amen. Do you see that? I, I, there's so many verses, brothers and sisters, there's so many verses. You, if you understand this concept, you, the whole Bible opens up for you. Start moving your focus from yourself to God. Look at what it says. 
speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Then what? Look at what he says. Three, forbidding to marry. Why? Form of godliness. Do you see that thing? Now it's all about, I married, I did not marry. You know, I, I am, I am Shuddha, I am Shuddha, right? I don't marry, okay? I've dedicated my life, you know? Hold it. So, so you get a little, you are proud of your, see, see, there's no evil in that intrinsically. There's no problem in it. See how deceptive this works righteousness is. Forbidding to marry. Commanding to abstain from foods. Ah, exactly. This is exactly what I see in false teaching. Is they will always tell you to abstain from foods. Like, oh, eat this. This is good. This is not good. Oh, this is kosher. This is not kosher. Yet, actually, Satan doesn't care. He's, if he can get you under that works, he can beat you. Because now you're depending not on his righteousness. You're depending on what you ate and what you did not eat. Hold it. Guys, listen here. Foods. <laughs> and you say, Anil, why are you so beating on foods? See, because foods is a form of righteousness. You see that thing? Any deception that says, you know, like, like you're, you're having health problems, right? And you say, you know, if I only can stay away from this food. No, no, no. That is, hey, that is wisdom of God is later. But don't depend on that for your healing. Got it? You depend on your righteousness that you are the righteousness of God. No, Anil, but don't you think that is important? I am telling you what is important. Two and a half hours I am spending on time. <laughs> What kind of life you should live and what kind of life you should not live. What kind of fasting you should do and what kind of fasting you should not do. I'm telling you, you hold on to the fact that you are righteous in Christ Jesus. The mystery of godliness. If you hold on to that, while times are bad and it doesn't appear, the Bible says, you will bear fruit. Some a 30-fold, some a 60-fold, some let me ask you a question. Didn't you already try what other godliness all your life? Yeah. Come, on, come on, how many of you will be frank enough? Didn't you not try that other sign of godliness? Do you know that that is a deceiving spirit that focuses away from Christ, the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, and moves it on to you and to your effort? Let me ask you, ask you a simple question. So, how are you doing? <laughs> Not in a condemnatory sense. Can you do better? So, what are responses? He has already done it for me. I am believing it, and therefore I'm justified, and therefore I'm received up in glory. Hallelujah. That is the mystery of the godliness. Why is it a mystery? Because it is not evident. Correct? It is like, seriously, this doesn't make sense. Sure, that's why it's a mystery. It's a parable. You believe it, you receive it. If you don't believe it, it's no problem. You can continue with not marrying, not eating food. Okay, keep reading. Keep it reading. Command, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. See, it is not for everybody. For the others, let them keep what the dietary habits are. But you believe and know the truth. You are not bound by that. But you'll say, but Anil, what is the harm? I'm telling you, 
it is more deceiving than what it appears. Because you are now getting, you are losing hold of the word of righteousness and you are depending on the, you are like the wine, the wine that is on the ground. God is saying, let me lift you up and look to Jesus. Let me want you to wipe. And the, the world is telling you that you are unclean and you have to do this, this and this to be clean. But let me tell you, let me wash you with the word and tell you that you are clean already. Guess what will produce? It will bear much fruit in your life. Okay, keep reading. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. That means even pigs are good? Sure. Right? In this new covenant, everything is good. Because God has created it for good. Okay? So don't judge yourself. Okay, but I'm saying, but I don't like pigs. Sure, don't eat it. Don't judge the guys who eat pigs. Right? Because you are now using a standard of righteousness which is apart from God. Right? Right? So, when you judge others, what are you saying? That means, I live by the same rule of law. Remember Jesus once used a parable. He said, do not scatter pearls before swine, for they will trample on it and turn on yourself. You know, it's a, that's a parable. That's a mystery. It's not evident what it's saying. He's not talking about pigs, pearls and all that. He's saying, what is pearl? Pearl is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? He says, do not Put this pearl before swine and they will trample on you and turn on yourself. That means, for example, if you're going to judge something, if you're going to judge somebody, God says, they, Satan will use the same stick against you. Like, for example, if you use the law against somebody else, Satan and the deceiving spirits have every authority to use that same law against you to justify you. Like, like you say, Oh, the, oh that, that believer, uh, he cannot have that big mansion. Ah, oh, somebody's heard it. Correct? Because you say, oh, but uh, why? Just because he's a believer, he cannot, she should not be living in that big house. He need to give that to the poor. Huh? Somebody else also said that many, many years before. Right? Where did that spirit come from? So guess what happens? Next time when you are believing for good things in your life, these pigs, which are unclean spirits, will trample on the pearls and use, come after you. Got it? They will use the same thing against you. They will use the same standard against you in your life. Doesn't mean that you're not going to go to heaven. But I'm saying is, if you judge others by not by the law, but you yourself judge yourself by the law of righteousness, God says, you're a hypocrite. Correct? You judge, so let grace flow out from your mouth. Let you judge others also by the same law. But what law? The law of righteousness. Hallelujah. Okay, keep reading. It's not reciprocity. He's talking about in this world there is a standard. You don't. You can decide which rule to live by. You don't live by the law of works. You still live by the law of faith in Christ Jesus on His righteousness, the word of righteousness. Because if you start judging others, if you start judge yourself. It's, you're going to start judging. And this is one of the biggest problems is when husbands, wives quarrel. They're constantly judging each other on what? On what they did or did not do. Yes or no? Yeah. If you start looking at it through the word of faith, word of righteousness, and say, I don't care what you did, but I see you righteous in Jesus. I see you perfect. I always see you perfect. Guess what it produces? It will produce the fruits that you wanted in her or you wanted in him. Make sense? You see, cleanse him, you clean him with the same word.
the word that makes them clean. Don't condemn him. Don't say that stuff. That you have to do all this 10 steps, then only I will love you. No. Which rule are you not following? Are you not following the law of works or the law of righteousness? You say the law of righteousness. I love you unconditionally because I see you perfect in Christ Jesus. So are you in Christ Jesus? Yes. Is your spouse in Christ Jesus? Yes. Do you see yourself righteous? Yes. Is your spouse righteous? So what's the confusion? Oh, but he's not doing all the things that he's supposed to do. Sure. So are you. <laughs> are you doing all the things that you're supposed to do in Christ Jesus? No. But does he see you perfect or uh, and blameless? Or does he see you with fault? Does he see you without fault? Perfect. Just like Peter said, do not fall from the steadfastness that you are without spot and blameless before the Father. Okay. And keep reading. For if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Now, you want to be a good minister? Nourished in the words of faith. See, now he defines that as the word of faith. Because it doesn't take faith if you are doing it. It takes faith to believe it. It's a word of faith. Of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Now he calls it a doctrine. But reject profane old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. See, exercise yourself towards godliness. What godliness? Exercise yourself to the righteousness of faith. That means practice. Practice it. Practice it. Keep telling that you are righteous in Christ Jesus. Practice that. Got it? Got it? Okay, keep reading. For bodily exercises profits a little. So he's not saying bodily exercises does not profit. It profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life when? The life that now is. So if you want life now is and of the life to come, he says, exercise yourself in this mystery of godliness. Okay, and we'll close with this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For this we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Keep reading the last verse. So he says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to it. How much to give yourself to this word of righteousness? Entirely to it. That your progress may be evident to all. Wow. See again, that word will produce progress in your life. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. The doctrine of the mystery of godliness. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. That means for preachers, non-preachers, teachers, not teachers, everybody, if you meditate and give yourself entirely to it, you will, you will save yourself. What is save? You're, I thought you are already saved. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about in the area that you need deliverance. Deliverance means not deliverance from evil spirits. There is nothing like deliverance from evil spirits for a believer. Right? He's talking about deliverance from an affliction or an issue or a problem that you have. He said, if you meditate yourself and give yourself entirely to this word, it will bear much fruit and you will, your progress will be evident to all. Let me ask you a question. How will your progress be evident to a non-believer? By seeing the fruitfulness 
fruitfulness in your life. What kind of fruits? You receive. That means you will have the houses and the barns and the stuff. You will have great health. You will. Your children are the ones who will go ahead. See, the Gentiles don't understand great patience. They see what? Your progress will be evident to all. They'll see that you are blessed. Amen? Do you see that they are blessed? How will the, how the Canaanites know that Abraham was blessed? How did Laban know that Jacob was blessed? Oh, Jacob had long patience. He saw the day of Christ. No! He saw cattle running right, left and center. Then he knew that Laban, Jacob was blessed. Amen? The Philistines knew that Abraham was blessed because they saw his goods. How is your progress evident to all? That's good. Your progress is evident to all when you believe and give yourself entirely to this word. Give yourself entirely to this word. Entirely to this word. Entirely to this word. I know I said we'll close, but let me finish with one. I'll just read it. So, and you can remember I told you one homework. Okay, one homework that will bear you lot of fruit, lots of fruit, is study the book of Isaiah and. Every verse which says righteousness, replace it with his righteousness. At least as much as I can say, right? His righteousness. And he says the righteousness of the Lord will be revealed. His righteousness will be revealed. Okay. So let me quickly give you an example. Because I want, because I've heard people tell me, when you go home, read. And guess what? <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> it doesn't forget to read, you know, but I'm saying is, so... Just in case you don't read, but I want to get you get you a little taste of what it is to know the mystery of godliness and give yourself entirely to it. Okay? Are you ready? There's nothing major work to be done on Saturday evening, right? Let's just let's go a little bit here, a little bit. Okay? I just want to give you a foretaste on how to study Isaiah. Okay? Let's read it. Isaiah chapter. How many of you know Isaiah chapter fifty-three? Everybody knows Isaiah. What Jesus did for you. Read, let's just read Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54 says, Sing, because of what Jesus did, right? And then he says, verse, verse 9 and 10, For this is like the waters of Noah to me, as I have said that the waters will never again cover the world, I will never be angry with you. Do you believe that, do you know that Jesus, God has promised in his word that he will never be angry with you? Right? How many of you know that? How many of you didn't know that there's a verse like that? I will never be angry with you. Everybody knows that verse? You need to know this verse. God has promised in his word, just like, you see the rainbow? The rainbow says, there will never be flood in the world. God says, the covenant, what Jesus did in Isaiah 53, is as much like the, is more than the days of Noah. I will never be angry with you. Never. Say never. Never. God will never be angry with you. Now that explains why the Holy Spirit never convicts you of There's matches, right? Because he'll never convict you of sin because he's never going to be angry with you. Okay. Four. Look at what he says. Verse 10. For the mountain shall depart. Wow. Hills shall be removed. Wow. When is that going to happen? After the thousand year reign on Christ, the mountains and the hills will be all disappear. The Bible talks about it. And But my kindness shall not depart from you. Say not. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. 
nor shall you not be removed. Says the Lord who has mercy on you. Now see verse 11. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphire. I'll make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal and your walls of precious stones. Ah! He says, now I'm going to establish you with precious stones. Now he defines what these precious stones are. We, we study about these precious stones in Mount Zion in Revelation. He says, Mount Zion has all these foundations of all these 12 stones, precious stones, right? He de defines all these. Each stone is different because each believer is beautiful in its own kind, right? Each stone is different, but each stone is not the same. But each stone is very beautiful. So who, who, whoever puts precious stones on the foundation of the house? Who? Who does it? Come on, answer. Rich people say, what? No. I said, dumb people do that. You never put diamonds under... Where do you, where do you show your diamonds? Not in your inner pocket. The diamonds. I have diamonds, you know, diamonds. No, it's out there for everyone to see. But God puts your foundations with these precious stones. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be tossed and tossed. Why? Tossed means he doesn't want you to constantly be doubting your righteousness. How do I know he's talking about righteousness? Read the next verse. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. Verse 14. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror it shall not come near you. There's a qualification of what oppression and terror will not come. What is the qualification? If you are if you are established on what? On righteousness. Whose righteousness? His righteousness. So you are constant. See, if you when Satan comes with an evil report and your first response to yourself, not only not just to Satan. Not just to God, but your first response to an evil report is, what have I done wrong? Means what? You are tossed and... You are tossed and... You are afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted. That is the time you have to say, hold it. Bible says you will never be angry with me. You are saying that your covenant of peace you shall never remove from me. You say that I am forever righteous. So obviously I know that this is not from God. And this I know is not for me. So this is the wrong package. Stick a label out there. Say wrong address. Send it to the... Send to the... Send it to the sender. <laughs> so every package that comes on your door, you please... Right, make a nice, nice, clean, nice rubber stamp. Says what? Resend. No, not resend. No. <laughs> Return to sender. Return to sender. Wrong address. I want you to repeat after me. Return to sender. Wrong address. You get it? Why? Because my house is established on righteousness. When there is righteousness, there is no judgment. When there is no judgment, there is no death, there is no poverty, there is no lack. Guess what? I am fasting. 
you get that? I am fasting. My bridegroom is with me. And I am eating, I am seated at the table. Return to sender. Wrong address. Can you memorize that in your head? When evil report comes to you, return to sender. Wrong address. Because this is his domain. This is his zip code. His zip code is 66666. His zip code, he can deliver mail to whoever he wants. But is your, you have the authority to deny receipt. Correct? Don't sign for it. Don't sign for it. So how do you not sign for it? He says, do not be fearful. Be far from terror because you are established on righteousness. Right? Don't say, oh, what have I done wrong? Oh, where has my father sinned? Oh, is my mother sinned? Or is my grandfather sinned? Oh, I come from a family of witchcraft. Oh, I come from a family of voodoo. I came from a fa So, are you tossed and comforted and not trusting in your righteousness on who you are in Christ Jesus? Welcome. The door has just got opened for delivery. Don't receive the delivery. But he'll say, but Anil, I'm still seeing the delivery. He's been coming two days. Seriously. Make a template. Just stamp. I mean, we did that. You know, we were so tired because when we just got our house from a previous owner, so guess what? For a season, you always get the previous guy's mail, right? Yeah. Right? When you just get and buy a house, you're constantly getting that mail. So we got tired, you know, saying that. So we printed a label. Return to sender, wrong address. So every time the label used to come, we just take, chuck, chuck, send it. It's cool. Just practice it. Return to sender, wrong address. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me, right? I'm righteous. Cool. Hey, Prasad. Are you righteous or not? Are you sure? Kind of sure, not sure? Still getting there in your righteousness? No, completely righteous. Nothing to do with me. You got it? See, it is, I'm not sure I'm righteous is because if it's something to do with me, I'm telling me it has nothing to do with you. you. So, too late to judge your righteousness. You're in him. Okay, keep reading. Indeed, they shall surely assemble. Look at that. Verse 15 means what? Your, the delivery will come. <laughs> Indeed, they shall surely assemble. They will come. Satan will send you stupid reports all the time. Indeed, they will surely assemble. I wish God had not written the word surely. <laughs> Only if you wish that. Surely. So, you know, you have seen they surely assemble. They surely assemble. But whoever assembles against you, but before that, indeed they shall surely assemble, but not, but not because of me, means what? I am not, I am not sending it. I am not sending that bad report. I am not, you need to just settle in your heart. Oh, brother Anil, but that was a good woman who believed in God, but she died. You know, some people are called to live with that situation. So the question is, who is the call? Who is the one who called her? Yeah. According to this verse, that doesn't seem to that call doesn't seem to come from the God of the Bible. Right? Surely they shall assemble, but it shall not be because of me. Right? Don't accept. I'm feeling it so strong. Don't accept delivery. Don't accept delivery. No, 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 no. You don't know how dangerous it is. We are kidding about it, right? You accept delivery, it doesn't stop there. He sends, sends you an express package. 
then he sends you a bigger package. He'll kill you. You'll go to hell. He'll kill you. Don't accept the first delivery. Don't accept the delivery. Return it to sender. Wrong address. Don't accept delivery. I'm telling you. I mean, if you're getting that picture, this straw, you get established on righteousness. It doesn't belong to you. No, no, but I've learned many hard lessons in my life because of that. <laughs> hey, that's your choice. What does the Bible say? All your children will be taught by Satan. Hold it. In the same passage. Who teaches you? Who teaches you how to live a Christian life? Satan with his delivery or God? Through peace or through oppression? Through peace. What does it say? All your children shall be taught by the Lord. How? And great shall be the peace of your children. Do you learn good lessons when you are under Satan's taskmaster? Sure, I learn how not to go and live under him forever. Did Israel learn a lesson when they were in Egypt? Yes, sure. Get out of Egypt as soon as possible. Does it mean that now out of Egypt, I'm still being taught the same lessons? No. They shall surely assemble, but it is not from me. Jesus is very clear. God is clear. They shall assemble, but it shall not be from me. So who will teach my children? Say, who will teach? Say, the covenant of peace will teach my children. Then you tell your children, that God doesn't find fault in you and I don't find fault in you, that will teach him to live righteously. You'll say, Anil, that doesn't make sense. Sure, it doesn't make sense. That's why it's called a mystery of godliness. It's a mystery that it, make, it, it bears fruit despite all your common sense says, correct him, beat him, hit him, send him to counseling. <laughs> I'm sorry, counseling is good. What I'm saying is, no. <laughs> I'm not saying counseling. But people use counseling in a negative sense, you know. Send him alone. Hit him, hit him, hit him. When a spouse says send somebody else, the other person to counseling, they mean is tell him all his fault. <laughs> is it what he says? When he says send him to counseling, miss, please tell him all his fault. No. Good counseling will edify you. Correct? It builds you up. Makes you look away from yourself and onto the finished work of Jesus Christ. You want good counseling? I mean, there's all kinds of counseling. Good counseling will always move your direction away from you and look away from you to Jesus, his son. Right? Like the Samaritan woman. Away from her situation and to the righteousness that he is. Right? Amen? Good. Keep reading. Now, verse 16. Why am I, why am I saying this? I think the Holy Spirit wants you to know this. Because of judgment, right? Judgment comes because of your lack of understanding of righteousness. Behold, I have created the blacksmith. See, God says... not. I, I want you to listen to this very carefully. The judgments that come in the world were designed by God. Ah, I but you just told me that I don't send it. Yes, they are not sent by God, but all judgments were whose idea? God's idea. So remember the curses in the Deuteronomy is not Satan's curses. It is God's curses. God is saying if you do this, you will be blessed. But if you do not do this, if you are not righteous, you are going to be... You have all this. You know, all these are innovative sicknesses and diseases. Do you think Satan is creative enough to bring these diseases and the sicknesses and this evil? He says, no, that is God's idea. He uses the judgments that were part of the 
law to on unrighteous people, he uses that now on you. Say illegal weapon. Say illegal weapon. But the weapon itself was caused, designed by God. But he is now using it on the wrong person. Let me ask you a question. The gun that a policeman uses against a criminal, is it legal or illegal? Right? But the same gun, when he's used on you, a righteous law-abiding citizen, it is legal or illegal? So he's a cop that has gone crazy. Because he still thinks that he's enforcing the righteousness of a holy God. But he's enforcing it on a on the house of God who are perfectly righteous. So for Satan, the only thing that he knows about judgment is what? But this is very, very powerful. Satan doesn't care how long you pray. Satan doesn't care how good your intentions in your heart is. Make sense? You get it? Satan doesn't care what you do. He just cares whether you've broken the law or not. Right? So he declares everybody lawless. So as long as lawlessness reigned, who was most powerful in the land? The cop. See, in a city where lawlessness reigns, who is very powerful? The cop. But in a city where there is no crime, does the cop have any power? No. So he cannot enforce it. But here is a cop who has his domain, but he's enforcing judgment on non-judgment, sorry, judgment-proof people. So he uses legal weapons, that is like weapons that has been given to him to enforce God's righteousness. Remember, he is a covering cherub that covers the throne of God. What is he doing? He's covering the righteousness and the holiness of God. That's how he was designed. When he fell. But he still considers himself as an angel that covers the righteousness of God. But he uses that position to enforce judgment on unrighteous people. But the only language he understands from you and I is not, oh, you know, but this is not fair. No, he doesn't care that. He only understands this. He says, you say, I am righteous. When you say you are righteous, he understands legal terminology. He understands that this is illegal territory. Cannot enforce. Because this citizen knows his rights. What I'm saying is, do you, you, do you have a gun? You don't have a gun, but you know that you are righteous. So you can say, hold it. Who gave you permission to come here? But if you have even a little doubt, well, you know what, in that 2011 tax return. <laughs> you got that? You see where it's going? Instead of deductions on interest, I, I said I gave this, but I really did not pay mortgage interest that year, but I claimed 20,000. Hey, hold it. Hey, I didn't do any of that, okay? <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you have a doubt in 2002, but it's expired, statute of limitations expired, but in your mind, you have a doubt that the cop shows up. You're like, yeah, 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 please, please, come. Do you want tea, coffee? You know? Because you are afraid, you are not established on your righteousness. You don't know what he's coming for. So guess what? He, he runs free short in your life and in your children's life because you are not established on your righteousness. He doesn't understand, oh, I'm good, good, I'm a believer. I don't understand believer at all. Do you believe you are righteous or not? Yes, I do. 
cool <laughs> next house you know next house let him go to the next house got it so he says so the point is the weapon that satan uses was designed by god that is the reason why those weapons are so effective have you wondered how these sicknesses are so effective how innovative those sicknesses are like our children goes to medical school and uh, multiple 10 years studying one part of a part of a part of a body <laughs> have you noticed i mean we have so many parts of the body and there are specialties about the nose you know there are specialties about nose and nose hair <laughs> I mean, there are specialists about the ear, specialists about uh, enzyme. Or... It's so innovative, and some of these viruses and diseases are so. I mean, sometimes it's like, Lord, you're so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, if it is not so deadly, you know, it's so creative, so innovative. Do you think it was created by Satan? It's been formed by God as executors of His judgment, but they don't have authority over you. That's why Satan has no authority over Jesus. many times people wanted to kill jesus you know what kept him from dying luciano he was here the son of god no what kept him from dying is because he knew that he was righteous remember when uh, john the baptist even wanted to be baptized he came to john the baptist and john said how are you coming to me i need to come to you correct correct so what did jesus say oh no 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 It's okay. Please baptize me. You know, I must have also committed a sin sometime. No, 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 no. What did Jesus say? So everybody stood in the line for John's baptism because they had sin. But why did Jesus stand in the line to be baptized? To fulfill? No, to fulfill righteousness. So he was baptized because he was fully righteous. and he was confident in his righteousness to the extent was what was the response that the father gave from heaven when he was baptized this is my son in whom i am well pleased so he affirmed his righteousness the father affirmed his righteousness let me ask you a question did the holy spirit affirm his righteousness yes how means what the holy spirit will never descend and enter a unclean person when the holy spirit descended was the same dove that refused to descend on anything unclean in the days of noah remember when the dove was sent out the dove never found a resting place this is the picture of the holy spirit all over the world the dove went to see is there any righteous that i can land on didn't find anything it was all dead corpses all running around right so it came back into the ark then he sent uh, the dove again but this time he found a resting place but it was not a full grown resting place it was the leaf of an olive tree wow what a prophetic symbol because there was going to be one olive tree that will be born many many years later who will be a full grown stature on that full grown stature i will one day find my resting place and that olive tree is israel and that would be a jew a full grown jew at the age of 30 i will find a resting place but till then i love to live with a tender fig let it grow was it and at 8:30 when jesus went into the river back jordan that olive tree was fully grown is that beautiful and the holy spirit descended on it that dog 
that never found the resting place. I mean, the longest flight of, yeah. <laughs> of a dove. I think there's a song in there somewhere. I'm telling you, there's a song in there somewhere about the story of a dove that didn't find a resting place, but found on a full-grown, mature olive tree. Fully anointed. Olive is a picture of anointing. Fully anointed. And the Holy Spirit turned. But only after he was declared righteous. You see that? How powerful the word of righteousness is? It's so powerful that the Holy Spirit will not come on you unless you are righteous. What does that now tell about you? Forever righteous. Right? Okay. Why are we still stuck there? Let's keep reading. Which is the word? Behold, I have created the blacksmith and blows the coal in the fire and brings forth the instrument of his work. Keep reading. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. This is God speaking. No weapon. Now you understand the context. Now you understand the context. No weapon formed against you. Who created this weapon? Wrong. God. Because he formed the spoiler. He made these weapons. But no weapon formed. But who is it against? Who is making this against you? The devil. Right? Against you shall? Prosper means what? It will not accomplish what it's supposed to do. Like for example, if Satan tries to bring disease in your life, which is a weapon, he said, it will not prosper. Say it will not prosper. Say it will not prosper. It will not prosper in my body. It will not prosper in my health. It will not prosper in my children. It will not prosper. No, let me, let me tell you why it will not prosper. Just because it's the worst. How many of you have read this verse? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. Hold it. But what is the context? Look at what this. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment. Whose tongue is now rising up in judgment against you? Now this is Satan. Because he's accuser. He's judging you. Right? What does God say? You shall condemn. You shall condemn. I will condemn? No. I am. <laughs> Jesus does not have a full-time job there, you know. <laughs> oh, Lenny just condemns Satan. Hey, get in position. Condemn! He, he's, he's not wasting time. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, fully convinced about what he has done. Fully convinced and who you are. He says, so George comes to him and says, Father, the sickness in my body, can you condemn it? So <laughs> he look at you and says, George, Isaiah 54, you know, read, go ahead, condemn it. He said, but uh, you can do it more strong, you know. <laughs> Real strong. You're Jesus, you can just do it. You just, one word and everything will go. He says, you are that, you are that. I am head, everything else is you. <laughs> you know, finger belongs to the body. <laughs> it out. So condemn. You condemn. You condemn. You condemn. Right? You condemn. So I'm saying is many times our prayer should not be, Lord, heal my heal. Hold it! So when you say, Lord, heal, means what are you implying? No! He sent it! When you say, God, heal, means he's the one who sent it, so he's the one who take it. He's not the one who sent it! Hold it, wrong person, tell him. 
take it. It's not mine. I didn't send it. You have a right to take it out. So you condemn. That's why Jesus and all. Look at the apostles. They never prayed for sickness to be healed. Have you seen prayers of apostles? Have you seen that? Did you see Jesus' prayer praying to the Father to heal people? No. He would rebuke the sickness. Have you seen that? So let's be right in what we are in Christ Jesus right now. Right? You say, no, but Anil, I've always been taught like that. I've learned like that. I've... Gee, you're wasting time. How is it going for you? Right? I'm saying is, do what the word of righteousness says to you. Right? You condemn. Say, can I say I con- I'll condemn? It's difficult, but I'm saying is, let's practice. Exercise until... <laughs> First Timothy, what is this? The exercise unto godliness. This mystery of godliness. Can we start exercising this? So we, we start exercising this. We rebuke stuff, right? We take authority. We rebuke stuff. I'm telling you, are you ready? Stop praying to the Father for stupid stuff that you have the authority to do. And the cop goes every day to the mayor. <laughs> he will lose his job if he goes to the mayor and says, you know, can you please tell the guy to get out of the car? <laughs> Illogical when it comes to the world, but it so sounds so logical when it comes to God. See, you are the cop. Enforce the judgment on Satan. Enforce the judgment on his kingdom. Cast it out in Jesus' name. Cast it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises up against you in judgment. You shall condemn what? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That means this is your right. God has given this to you. Why? Why? Can he, and, he, and he says why he has done it. Can you underline that last verse in bold, highlight it, star it, colorful it, make some dancing figures around it. What does it say? Their righteousness is from me. So, so, oh, hold it, hold it. This is so good. So you take authority over that Satan, over that disease or sickness or that poverty or that job. Hey, Suja, over the job that you want, you know, you take authority and says, in the name of Jesus, I call you forth in Jesus' name. And then Satan comes and says, oh, who do you think you are? You say, say, next verse, their righteousness, my righteousness is not mine, it's from him. So it's like God backing you up behind you and saying, hey, their righteousness. Their righteousness from me. Their righteousness from me. Do what he's what he say. So his righteousness is enforcing your heritage. Write it down. His righteousness. I am the righteousness of the Lord. Right. His righteousness is enforcing your heritage. Now write it down and remember that. His righteousness is enforcing your heritage. His righteousness is enforcing your heritage. So every time you doubt your authority in Christ Jesus, you remember that your righteousness is from Him. It has nothing to do with this. Isn't this the mystery of godliness? Isn't this the mystery of godliness? That their righteousness is from me? Do you remember that? And I'll close with this last verse. And maybe we'll continue next time. Because I think this is something that we need to marinate on. Read uh, Psalms chapter 1. How many of you all know Psalms chapter 1? Blessed is he who is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Ungodly says, you know, do, do and become right. Nor stands in the power of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Don't scorn this message. 
Don't scorn this message. So what is this? Don't be like Israel. Saying, hey, this is a way of righteousness that we don't know. We have to do stuff like, we have to do it and then make it happen. You can say it's all very easy for you to say. Don't, don't scorn this. Make sense? Don't scorn this message. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. See, Lord calls his law of righteousness his law. Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10 says the law of faith is the law of God. Malachi, the book of Malachi ends by saying, remember the law of Moses. The law of Moses, God is not even proud to call it his law. He does not even want to kind of be seen like associating with that law. He gave it just for you to know that there is a fire. Your fire is burning you and you're getting burnt and you need a savior. His desire is in his son, Jesus Christ. Make sense? He says, remember his desire, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So I'm saying is you meditate on this law of faith the law of righteousness day and night what will happen to you he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water will bring forth fruit in its season it will not happen immediately it will not happen the next day it will bear fruit say it will bear fruit it will bear fruit in its season whatever he does will prosper whatever is there any qualification to it it doesn't kind of match what we just learned about fruitfulness that whatever you desire you will receive Whatever you do, you will do stupid stuff and things prosper. You do small assignments and these things happen. Then everything that you do prosper. You say, but I, you know, that was not even wise. Yes, that is the mystery of godliness. Your righteousness is from him. You are being benefited because of what he did. And you, because you believe that report, you're, you're getting benefited because of it. Amen? Okay, keep reading. The ungodly are not so. Been, he studied the mystery of godliness. Now, who is ungodly? Ungodly is not the ones who are doing ungodly things. No. The ungodly is who are doing godliness by a way apart from Jesus. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which will be like the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That means when judgment comes in, when the judgment comes before the ungodly, what happens? They cannot stand. When judgment comes to the ungodly, the ungodly cannot stand. But when judgment comes to the righteous, what happens? Read. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. We are the congregation of the... We are called the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Do you get it? So Psalms 1 is all about righteousness. That you are righteous and whatever you do shall prosper. You shall bear fruit. Hallelujah. And there are a thousand other verses in Isaiah that we don't have the time to go to. So I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62. All talks about this righteousness. About a righteousness that is revealed. That has nothing to do with you. But if you just believe it, you will have light. The nations shall come to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. All this stuff happens because you hold fast to the word of righteousness and it will bear 30, 60, 100 fold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. Father, even as we have received the word, O Master, Lord, there's so much, Lord, in your word about who we are in Christ Jesus. And about this word of righteousness. And I pray that you will open the eyes of our understanding. And the riches of the 
grace of the knowledge of Jesus and his righteousness as a gift to us, Abba, and to our children. And Father, as we marinate on it and live on it and meditate on it and give ourselves entirely to it. And Father, that our progress will be evident to all. Oh, Master, in our sickness, in our diseases and every condemnation, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Lord. Because they are, our righteousness is from you. We have been found spotless and blameless before the Father's throne. And Father, we hold fast and we don't stumble on this word. And even when deceiving spirits come and tell us all kinds of stuff to us to earn this righteousness, and when we, are caught, we are, we are, when we are made to doubt that righteousness, Lord, you, when the Holy, your Holy Spirit rises up in us and remind us that we are the sons of the Most High God. We are in the very throne room of God. And the Father lives in us. And we have His right standing. Oh, we worship You. And therefore, Lord, if that is true, let the word come to pass that Your righteousness goes before us and our health springs forth speedily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, Bible, the word says right now, because you have received this word, children, your progress will be evident to all. But you will say, Lord, I have not seen it for so many years. But I say to you, hold fast to this word with endurance. And you will see it speedily come to pass but you will say I don't see it but I say to you lift up your eyes and see my son and your faces will become radiant and he will declare his righteousness to you hallelujah 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 I'm seeing, I'm seeing supernatural breakthroughs in areas that you always thought that you had to work for I'm seeing supernatural breakthroughs in areas that you thought that you have to struggle for. I have, I have seen, I'm seeing supernatural breakthroughs in the areas that you thought that you need to fast for. The Lord says, I give it to you freely because you recognize who you are in me. And you hold fast to my word. And your word, you have understood it. And therefore, you will live by it, says the Lord. And it will be profitable in this life and in the life to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. I'm, I'm seeing doorbells ringing in many people's houses. But these are not doorbells from the enemy. These are doorbells of gifts and ministry callings at your door. The Lord is giving to you freely. Receive it, says the Lord. Don't judge yourself as worthy or unworthy. Judge yourself worthy because your, my righteous, your righteousness is from me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Open those gifts that come to you. Some people are actually going to get physical gifts at your house this week. And you're like, who sent me this gift? It will be a sign, says the Lord, of big gifts coming to you. It will be a sign. It will be a big sign to you that Something big is getting ready to be released in your life because you are getting ready to release the word of righteousness and that word of righteousness is going to explode in your spirit. Hallelujah. 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 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We bless you. We give you all the glory and all the praise for it truly belongs to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.